Let's wait. Ask talk about this on right. the show. Yeah, yeah. I like shit like that. I was gonna say, why do we say twelve thirty nine? Like when we're going to an apartment, when we're making change, when we're counting something uh, that's in the thousands, why do we say like 1,500? Right. You know, like... Uh, Instead of 1,500? Yeah. What do you 1, think that's about? The, okay. Also do you consult. think that's about well, let's time? let's talk about this on the show. I like this. Do you think that's about time or do you think that's about money? Time. Yeah? Why money? Oh, because money with the decimal point? Yeah, yeah. No. Which one came first, do you think? Time, for sure. Right. For sure saving time. Since caveman days. All right, welcome to the escape mists. The escape is a mist. Yes. Uh, here we are. We're this is episode two of season number two of the escape is a mist, and with me is my very good friend of a very large handful of years. Yes. Nine years. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Danny Smith. Um, How are you, buddy? Oh, good, good. Danny is an actor, a visual artist, a musician, a director, a songwriter, a voice actor for animation. He's worked with such people as Leonard Nimoy, Mark Wahlberg, Jessica Paré, and Aerosmith, as well as Fleetwood Mac, Sum 41, Gwen Stefani, Jeremy Renner, and Kirsten Dunst. Just some of the people that that he's worked with. Uh, So please, may I please welcome my friend Danny Smith. You okay. may welcome me, and thank you for having me so much. I'm so happy to see you. How you doing? Cheers. Cheers. Delicious. Straight from New Zealand. Yeah, we got a special bottle for the for the interview. Thank you so much. Oh, I yeah. feel honored. It's no, delicious. So what do you think? Um, what do you think? 1,500. Yes. Yeah. What do you think that What do you think came first? I do think it's about saving time. Because currency wasn't established later, I think even in in let's say caveman times, Neanderthal times, Sumerian yeah. times. But minutes and seconds and hours. How, what do you mean? Well, it, like you know, what time is it? It's the time of the, where the sun is in this part. At what point do we start saying two thirty p.m.? Well, I think two thirty happened right away. Yeah. And p.m. Maybe not the words p.m., but I think. Yeah, once they established a sundial in a well or whatever Galileo did when he looked in a well and discovered the Earth was round. It was Galileo times? Well, I know, well no, not before that probably, but I yeah. know his experiment was to see if the Earth was round. Yeah. So he had that well experiment where he, at noon every day, the sun was right over the water. Oh, okay. So he talks to his buddy in 12 villages, and he's like, it's noon there too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the sun is right over your thing. No, ours is a bit off. Uh, it's like, oh, the Earth must be curved then. It's not, anyways. Wow. Um, and I'm probably butchering that for sure. No, no, not, that, uh, that makes sense to me anyway. Yeah. I never knew that. I mean, there are a lot of stories from history like that that I like. That I don't know if they're true or not. Of course, right? Yeah. Um, wow. First of the non-flat earthers. Yeah. <laughs> but I think time. Yeah, of course. He said, "Well, it's." I don't know how they came up with in minutes and seconds, and they're like, you know, like. Why 24 hours? Why is that? Yeah, and those things did fluctuate. Like, I know for sure the months fluctuated. Really? And it's called July because of Julius Caesar, and it's called August because of Augustus, whoever. Mm-hmm. And they were changing and moving things in. Oh, wait, he has 30 days. I want 31, stuff like that. Yeah, but then the days are Norse mythology. Like, Thursday is Thor's day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that brings me to mm. our planets are all... Roman named after Roman gods, Jupiter, yeah. Saturn, Uranus, etc. Mm-hmm. Except for Earth, and no one That's knows true. who named Earth. That's true. No one knows who. Yeah, named Yeah, it's not attributed to anybody. Whoa. So that's crazy to me. 
It's amazing too. That Why are they all Roman the, gods and that one's not? You know. Well, I mean, because Earth is everything to us. Yeah. You know, like it's it's where we it's where we like poo and pee, and it's where we <laughs> sow, and it's where we where build we sow. Things. Yeah, yeah. S O W like food or S E and S E W. It's everything. Yeah. 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 So Earth, like it's you know, it's just it's soil. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, it's the fertile, the fertile land, right? And maybe, well, no, the other ones are the first four mm. are soil, also they're rock. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe because the other ones, from uh, Jupiter, Uranus, Saturn, Pluto, those are gas. Like you can't step on Pluto or on Jupiter, you'll fall right through. You'll fall right so I wonder through. If, and they're so huge apart by its huge gravity too. So I wonder if they saw like the biggest, you know, Jupiter or Sat Jupiter, I guess the biggest first, and we're like, okay, this is like we have to name this after a god. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how we got on that time, but back to time, like yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. All but right. if it's an address, like my address is twelve thirty nine, I think that's about saving time, because it takes too long to say twelve hundred one or one thousand two hundred. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I wanted to start with. Uh, okay, so you're an accomplished artist. Uh, actually, you uh, you gifted me one of the first series that you did. I wanted to know yeah. uh, because you work with so many canvases, to, like different uh, different things. Like the series, uh, the one that you gave me is that uh, piece from of Tom York. Yeah. And it's just very simple, and this is very straightforward. Uh, it's a stencil. Um, how did you choose? Uh, it's a stencil, and what what is the the backing of it? It's metal. Is is the piece you have sort of long? And I did a few Tom Yorks. Is it long and skinny? Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Metal. Yeah, it's about like this. Yes. Two thousand eleven. Well, you have a connection to that piece of metal unwittingly. Really? So it should be an even more special. First of all, I'm so happy you have it. Mm. And I'm happy you have, or you've come in contact with other pieces subsequently, like, mm -hmm. you know, like that crazy newspaper thing and whatever for the fundraiser, which we'll talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that was great. But I like that you have these pieces over the years because my style has changed and I've grown. and So much. I can see progression just through what you have of mine. It's but like, it also cool seems me. like there's series, you know? Like, yes. Like, uh, like I don't think it breaks down to a year, but like it was just like this like point in time where you were creating with these materials, and then you switch, and then you go to another material. I, I wonder. Yes. I, I want to know what the um, what the process was. I've always wondered this. I'm really glad to be able to ask you. Uh, I think it's a really cool question of um, of choosing these things. All right, yeah, go ahead. I love that question, and I've never been asked it, and I think that's probably why I'm responding to it so positively. Nice. Um, Escapism. There's an amazing woman who I hope hears this name, Angela Bashera, mm -hmm. who I'm sure you know, and if you don't know her by name, that I would do. surprise me. Yeah. Um, and she, do you remember a theater space called Sterling Studio Theater? I do. When it was up on... Um, on Sterling, right across from where Mocha is now. <laughs> of course. Um, yes. Yeah. So for that space, when they moved in, Angela Bashera, who's a, I, I will love her always. She's a great friend mm -hmm. and an amazing creative force on her own yeah, and yeah. deserves her own episode. If you want to, you know, have an exciting guest. You're right. Um, she found these metal pieces behind that studio in the parking lot, just mm. abandoned 
like eight or ten or twelve discarded skiffs or skids. Yeah. And she's like, I think you'd like these for your art. So I took them and I made pieces and I loved working on them. Huh. Because that was stencil mm-hmm. and I used like a vinyl adhesive. Yeah. And then you can just like cut right into the, as opposed to a canvas, you can't cut on, right? Because it would cut right through, the blade would cut right through the canvas. Yes. But this is metal, so I can carve into it and fuck mm-hmm. around. Can I swear on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. So I feel like I definitely do series of pieces. Like it could be eight or 10 or 12 or 24. Mm. And I know when I'm doing it, it's a series that will be finite. Um, and I feel like I do a piece. It's not good. I try something else. I don't like it. I try something else. It's not great. Then I do something new and exciting and I do like 10 of those. Yeah. And so the first few, I'm sort of learning how to do it. Right. And then halfway through, oh, I got this trick and I can knock them out. No problem. Yeah. So then I get tired of it and I want to do something new. So that's why I change. Huh. Huh. It's kind of like each, each series is its own concept album. 100%. Hundred percent. Huh. Yeah. And yet that is definitely true. Everything I've done is compartmentalized. Yeah. And yet I have a weird thing. I've had it since I was a kid that like I feel like every you probably have it too because you're an artist. Yeah. That everything I do in life is kind of one thing. Like it yeah. all feels like one project. It's all like it comes from the same motivation inside. Maybe. Yeah. Or even if the motivation same person at least, right? The right, same right. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like I just feel like it's all one. Like I feel like if I did a movie twenty years ago or I did a painting yesterday, like mm. it's like there's no time. I guess like it's all like yeah outside of time for me. As weird and esoteric as that sounds, what do just you mean? Kind of, just like it's not like I did that in '91. I did that even though I just sort of said it's nice to see the progression of my work over the years. Right. I do feel like something I did in high school. I can look at it today and say and relate to it and say. Yeah that's part of a series I would include today, you know, or like, it's all one. It's hard to explain. I guess I've never really tried Um, to figure it out for myself, but I've always had an inkling, which I've never explored really. My friend Gord Highland, uh, one day he, he came to a rehearsal of, uh, with the Elastic citizens. And he said that they'd been talking about Charles Mingus at school. Mm. And he said that Charles Mingus was one of the first artists where historians look at his entire body of work as one massive Ooh, piece. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So, yes. you know, like, like things and new discoveries and then relating them back to earlier work. Yes. Like earlier ideas. Yes, exactly uh, that. And then, and then expanding and more and more, but it's all still a part of the same. So you're saying that on your journey, it's art and music and like like it's all like part of the same like creative beast yeah it's once like when i die yeah it's one symphony like Mm. including you and i have played music together no city fun with matt edison matt edison is another guy i I think is a special in a special category yeah um i mean i love everybody that's base one that's true base two is you know, I earn people's respects and they go to another level. Yeah. And Matt Edison's up there. Like I, I, uh, from the moment I met him, I clicked and I think he's a really special talent Mm -hmm. who's like a multi artist too. He really is. Um, but maybe he feels the same way or maybe you feel the same way. I don't know where you feel like, you know, he's like no city fun, some movies I did different things. Like Mm -hmm. it's, 
at the end of your life, like I, cr this is my contribution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's well, you know, just not to stray too much, but the Matt's poetry was some of the stuff that first brought me to him, you know, like, uh, I think I met you all on a Sunday and then I played my first show with you, with you meeting the drummer for the first time yes. the next Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, I came in like really under the wire, but like it was immediately fun to play with everybody. Yes. I remember going over to Matt's place the first time and like, like I was just playing and then like, like you, you just made eye contact with me at one point and you were yeah. like, okay, so yeah, go here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And like right away, like it was like off the page of like, just play the changes and it was you know play and like yeah. interplay and stuff so which yeah, doesn't yeah. always happen no no it's good when mus musical kindred spirits meet you know like i've definitely been in music <laughs> uh music things where the person's just like and then you play the change yeah and then you play the change now we're going to the bridge like, b minor mm -hmm. well let's just jam and explore and discover. But and it's also like until I have a reason, like a musical reason to go to the change, you know, like I'm not going to remember that because like I need to take it out of like memorization of E, 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 A, 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 you know, like E, da, 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 A, da, 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 you know, like whatever, whatever the rhythm is, whatever the, whatever the meter is. But like there needs to be some kind of connective tissue for me. Yeah. Harmonically and music, you know, like melodically to, to be able to make the song. And even instinctively or instinctually. Yeah. When you should change. Yeah. And when someone's just like, hey, this is how you play bass. And it's like, yes, it's not though. Yeah, maybe as some and sometimes, people play, but it's not how I can play. Like it's not, yeah. And I'm sure you've encountered singers or singer songwriters who play guitar and piano who say this is how you play bass, and maybe they don't even play bass and they don't really know the nuances and the subtleties or what's mm. really required. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like they're can you go like do 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 do? You're like, well, that's not really appropriate for the yeah right mood we're setting but I all can, right i can do that yeah. if you want but you well know. i learned a great lesson this is me totally opening up like mm. when I, I was in a band called the city drive yes uh, for many years it was a huge you know thing in my life that i will always love of course opened for aerosmith <laughs> aerosmith yeah shared the stage with fleetwood mac yeah all of that stuff I, there's so much to get into about like you know like bands yeah like loved and lost but like but that's the that's the story of you know this particular group of people yeah. um yeah i would love to get into same City yeah Drive. there's some good but i just i forget oh i just want to bring it up because of your bass player comment oh, yeah. i just want to make an admission i suppose like I am guilty. I was guilty of being that singer songwriter who said, play it like this, play it like this. Right. Sort of a power uh, control freak, I suppose. Huh. Um, yeah. But oh, not even over the course at the end of that, when that band fell apart, mm. unfortunately is when I learned my lesson that collaboration is better in a group yeah. Yeah. and let people have their own voice in a group. Yeah. And what they bring could be, and eventually was better than what i suggested you know yeah yeah because they're more passionate there's more like feel in it and they want to play instead of me telling mm -hmm. them to play it so i learned a huge lesson there i wish i'd learned it years earlier oh. i was a bad boy for my whole life and then i only learned like you know 10 years ago how to be a good person yeah. and yeah dude <laughs> lessons worth learning are expensive mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. you know like it was 
like it took it, it took the dissolution of that band for you to re- to realize like how to interact with in like you know be a leader in group dynamics and you know like and but like it's led you to great places like you know you directed Kyle Lowry for freaking for a TV spot oh, that was crazy huge. yes world champion Kyle yes fucking Lowry because he met me because he it, that, right the same season wasn't it. It was the subsequent season. We shot the between seasons. Season. Right. Or yeah, it was the next season. Yes. Jesus. Um, yes. Woo. I received a phone. I received a text from a great person. Maybe yeah. I'll let him remain nameless at this point, mm. just in case. I don't know why, but I, I think he's a great dude. There's no need. Yeah. Uh, his initials are KS. <laughs> and um, I've never laughed like that in my life. <laughs> and so he sent me. A t- he sent me a text saying. Hey man, I want you to direct this commercial. Yeah. Um, the there's a, a voiceover element. I know you direct voiceovers. We're gonna have someone else direct the on camera, but we'd love you to direct the voiceover. It's for a very elite athlete. And I he's like, I think you'd be perfect. And I said, okay. Yeah. And then eventually I was like, who is it? And they said Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And I'm a massive Raptors fan, as are yes. you. Yes. Yes. Go raps for life. Oh man. I do I have to say I do still this is I shouldn't even say this. I there's an element to me that does still bleed purple and gold. I lived in LA for eight years and I'm a huge Laker fan because of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Kobe is my favorite thing that has happened on this planet, but You're like a post Shaq Laker fan? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, yes. no, no. I'm asking for clarification. I'm not like judging. A <laughs> hunt, like, yes. You like the non-Shaq teams. Ah, the Gasol era. Yeah. Of course I do, because then Kobe had an opportunity to show it on his own. Could yeah, he win yeah. without the big man? Yeah. It's, it's but strange. I love Shaq. I love everything that's ever happened in the NBA. Yeah. For the record, mm-hmm. I'm an NBA fan mm. before mm. I'm a Raptors fan. Like, I'm a basketball fan. Well, because the Raptors didn't exist when we were kids, you know? Like, first, uh, I just watched Airplane with my girlfriend uh, last week. <laughs> so, like, that Airplane, when I was a kid, was my first introduction to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. And then he was my favorite player because yes. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie. We're uh, right in the border to Michigan. So then we got all the Detroit feeds. So then the bad boy Detroit yes. Pistons. Fun to that watch. was my team. They were incredible. Young Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, like just like freaking, oh my God. It was and different so from good. all the other teams, so exciting and right next door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, like a few years after that is when the Raptors happened. And, uh, you know, the Raptors had a slow, steady build. You know, like that. What do you expect? Marcus you want them to win a championship? Yeah. yeah. Damon Stoudemire. And then, you know, like they had the things like Hakeem Olajuwon who played for you know, like half a season yes. or whatever. And then there was the Vince Carter era and all those guys, McGrady. Yeah. Up to now, you know, like it's like, but like, and then Bosch and then DeRozan and, Bosch, and then now. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah. And DeRozan. That There's a whole Bosch era. There's a whole DeRozan. Tear your heart out DeRozan deal. Dude, don't get me started because dude. and okay, Dwayne Casey. And Dwayne let's, Casey. And oh, Dwayne dude, Casey. I could spill eight hours with this. Oh, man. Okay. But like this this is worth talking about because this yeah. is definitely Toronto and this is definitely escapismist stuff. Like basketball. Okay. T- t- I'm going to take a step back from the Raptors for a moment. But um, Danny and I for years – uh, we would usually I would come over with my upright bass and I would come over to Danny's place and 
then we would uh, smoke and drink <laughs> and yeah. practice and jam and play music while we were watching basketball. And uh, so we would watch like what, like Laker games, like the Ron Artest Meta World Peace era, all Malice of that at the stuff. Or Those. just to throw one different mm. thing in here, we would also watch, and we'll go back to Raptors in 2.5 seconds. Mm-hmm. But we would also watch like The Dark Knight with the mute yeah, on and jam. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I want to do that again. It's been yeah. a long time. Like, but I remember, on... I remember us getting together and calling our get-togethers the Basketball Diaries because we'd play and... for two hours. It was huge. It was, me personally, that was hugely important in my development as a musician. Really, really on upright, yeah, absolutely. No, gaining confidence and like like just going after impulses and stuff. Yeah. Um in uh, different states of being <laughs> and uh yeah yeah it was um it was really really it was really something it was really important to me as a musician and i love watching basketball and i love like creating music to you know other pieces as well it's really really fun yes and all of that has led to job music media and all this stuff all the things that i'm doing now so yeah uh, on that level, I want to thank you. But, uh, I want to thank you. I love slow. I don't know if I'm allowed to sing other people's songs. I shouldn't, for the sake of copyright. I think no, no, no. Uh, no we're because uh, it's like a cover, isn't it? It like, doesn't matter at this point. Well, yeah, yeah, but but I just had a flashback to. Yeah. There's a player. Of course, you've heard his name. Have you heard this name, Paul George? Paul George. Okay, yeah. he's a very good player, right? Yeah. You're playing with. I remember right now. when we discovered him. We had the conversation mm-hmm. during one of those jams, which was, I remember specifically this sentence. Yeah. Oh, his name is like two Beatles, Paul George. Yeah. Remember that guy's name. He's going to be something. Yeah, yeah. And then he was. He is. He, yeah. Oh, my God. Did yeah. you hear what his deal Yeah, I told you what his deal is. He He's now playing for the Clippers, and the head coach of the Clippers is Doc Rivers, and he dated Doc Rivers' daughter. No. And then she found out that he was cheating on him with a stripper oh. in Miami. So she dumped him. And now oh, he was cheating with a stripper? He was cheating with a stripper. I thought she was so with a stripper. No, no. She, she dumped him. And now he plays for her Ooh. father, <laughs> Doc Rivers. Awkward. Awkward. Oh man. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. That's like LeBron Dang. had the same thing with what's his name because that what's his name slept with LeBron's mom apparently. What? Yeah. Uh, West. Uh, Delonte West. Is that correct? Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Or so the or so rumor has it, but I don't know. Wow. I love all that shit like Derek Fisher and Matt Barnes. Like. <laughs> all right. I want to get into our complex emotions about Demar Derozan. Yes. Dude. What do you, um, I, th- I think he got put th- through the ringer and a part of me doesn't like what happened. Um, yeah, you know, me too. a part of me was like, he's the first like major, major superstar who really mm. liked it here. And he became like a full fledged man, an adult. And like, he f- defined himself as a player and a person. I think here, you yes. know, he has his children here. And I think that uh, that the Raptors developed a winning culture 
of developing their guys, training their guys, like, and instilling a sense of us, like a sense of, you know, like we're together on this. We the North, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you see it in like the development of Siakam and Van Fleet and and you know and, and even like Valanchunas, you know, like Van Vliet. That's another freaking. I love Valanchunas and I'm so sad he's gone. Yeah. Only because of the time he put in, you know. Yeah, yeah. He was our longest tenured Raptor after DeRozan was gone. But he's, you know, like they're all like great and they're all like, I had this conversation with my buddy the other day, Butch. If you're listening, I know you are. I love you, brother. And uh, Butch, don't kill my vibe. And <laughs> and he and I, well, we never got into it enough to disagree, but I want to explore it further with him that mm. I have feelings of, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, but our championship has an asterisk on it. Wow. Like we followed Dwayne Casey, Jonas yeah. Valanciunas, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan uh-huh. for years, yeah. right? Yeah. And they grew and they grew and it was happening and it was exciting and there was momentum and it was mm-hmm. snowballing. Mm-hmm. And then we made some moves with Casey and DeRozan after Casey won coach of the year. But yeah. that's fine. I love Nick Nurse for the record. Yeah. yeah and I, yeah. of course... I love Masai Ujiri. He is the greatest GM ever, as far as I'm concerned. Not ever. Well, but, no, yeah, not but ever, he's but he's done did a very, great job very in the city. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love moves he made in Kawhi and whatnot. That's fine. And I love the younger core, Van Vliet, et cetera. Yeah. But there's a huge asterisk that, like, you know, these new people, Gasol and Kawhi and these new guys popped in, Danny Green, and they won us a championship. Mm. And that's sick that we have a banner but it's not our guys who did it. So it's a slightly tarnished. There's a hint of a patina on that, that I'm not in love with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not balls out like, fuck yeah, we won a championship. Like there's a part of it that's like, all right. It was a bit mercenary. What do you think? I, I, I think, okay. I think that I, I think the Gasol was our guy. And I think the Kawhi, is his own guy. Definitely. Uh, I, th- I remember you, you and I, cause Danny and I went to the, uh, to the parade together, the Raptors parade. Yes. And it was crazy. And like, and we got, we went to the that front was of the amazing. parade where we just like, watched them go by, watch them go by. We just f- stood right by them for crazy. hours. Yeah. Just yeah. Kept walking at a snail's pace right in front of them. Like five feet away from, from these <laughs> Drake amazing and guys. Kawhi and Lowry. Yeah. And- yeah. And I remember Kawhi just standing there, and he was standing there. Remember before he, you you made him smile? Yes. I swear to God. He, and he was just standing there, and he wasn't smiling, and he was just like absorbing the sun with the uh, with the Finals MVP trophy in his hand, in his massive hand. Yes. And like he just <laughs> he was just standing there, and I remember looking up at him, and I was like, oh, okay, like he doesn't want to be like for this for these group of people for this group of people like he just wants to be like for himself like he's out to be to make the most out of himself which is you know like yeah. i think he got from him i think he got like i think he got probably learned a lot of that from popovich you know mm. like just like like try and extract the most out of yourself and it doesn't belong to this or that. Cause like, yeah. you know, things got really weird for him in San Antonio. I yes. don't think that was, that was like animosity. It was just like a bunch of fumbles, you know? I agree. Uh, and you know, we weren't in the room, so whatever, but yes. I wish there was a, 
Like, I wish he would... Well, listen, he's his own man. He can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But if I were as intense as he were as a, or is as a player, I feel like there's a time and place to now say, mm. we did it, guys. And, you know, smile and share it with the crowd. Yeah, and like, yeah. You know, but I guess he'd already left in his mind. And he's just like, he's a very non-expressive person, which yeah. is fine, but mm-hmm. we're just not used to it. So we're like, what's going on? What's he thinking? Yeah. Okay, so I, yeah. I have a question about the movie, The Basketball Diaries. Okay. Do you, is that a familiar title to you? I know the title. I haven't seen it. What? I'm drunk. Actually. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm slurring. Right on. Um, All right. You've not seen it? I've not seen it. Okay, well, I'm seriously, we have to watch it. It's legit. It's DiCaprio and Mark Wahlberg when they were little kids. Yeah, when they were yeah. like six, seven, 18, 19, 20, probably. Yeah. Um, but we should watch it and make mm. music too. We should watch it. Excuse me. <clears throat> we should watch it um, your first time with it on mute and make music to it before you even know what it's about. We should do the, uh, you know, the Danny Smith podcast. That should be. Oh, episode. you will. Like, like no, but like, do it like as an episode, like just like music created by watching something. Okay. You into that? Yes, yeah, a thousand cool. percent. Cool. Yeah. P.S. I'm launching my own very soon, um, and it would be, you know, we can talk about this later. But I'm gonna force it with all of my will to form a podcast coalition with you. Nice. And I like the. I haven't even. We haven't even launched these really yet. But I like the idea of developing a network. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But that's a whole other, a whole other thing to talk about. But, it is, yeah, yeah. But I'll be launching mine within weeks, and we have some really cool guests lined up. Mm-hmm. Who? Well, I don't know if I can say. Okay. Here, I'll tell you later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But one of them, I'm very excited about. Okay. That's mean to the other ones. I'm excited about all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But it's you'll, true, though. It is right? true, and yeah. you'll be on. Just because one is like I'm such a star fucker, and I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool to sit down with someone that I really liked for a long time, mm-hmm. just as a, a fanboy. Mm. Um, that's that was my experience with Kyle Lowry too, shooting that commercial. Like, yeah. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> by the way, just to finish that story, in case anyone mm-hmm. who's connected with that commercial is listening, I didn't direct the whole commercial. Oh my bad. There's so no no no. Mm. There's so many elements to it. There's a whole animated thing I had nothing to do with. The on-camera portion of him, I did direct, and the off-camera, but the on-camera portion, other people were chiming in, too, and giving him notes. It wasn't just the Danny Smith show. Okay, man. Okay. Right. Um, but I do have a... Can I tell another story related to him? Yeah, sure. Um, are we long or anything? No, no, no. <clears throat> my Last dad, one was almost two hours. Yeah. My dad texted me and said, hey, someone wants you to be in their movie. Give this mm. phone number a call. Cool. So I, so I, uh, so my dad texted me and said, Hey, someone wants you to be in this movie. Mm. Give these guys a call. Here's the number. So I gave them a call. Yeah. And I swear to God, this is a true story. I don't think anybody believes me. Okay. Listen to this. Don't pee on the floor. (laughs) Bad dog. Okay. Check it out. So my dad's like, call this number. They want you in the movie. And so I call the number, and this is what I get. Hi, you're on the air live with Kyle Lowry. What's your question? <laughs> and I was like, word? I was like, word? I was like, um, I'm, I'm looking for, is this a film? I'm looking for a film, a director who wants to work with me, but 
I worked with Kyle Lowry six months ago in Vegas. Like we shot the commercial in Vegas. Yeah. Um, best experience ever going down to Vegas to work with Lowry. Like, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, and he's shit. fucking awesome dude. Yeah. Yeah. And has tons of funny stories mm. and Lowry. And so I'm like, Oh, sorry. Wrong number. And the guy's like, Hey, this guy directed you in a commercial. Danny Smith. Oh yeah. He's nodding his head. He remembers. I'm like, <laughs> all right, get back to the show. And yeah. sorry. It was so weird. I was like, are we living in a simulation? Is that a computer glitch? Like, how did that happen? That's crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. That's weird. So anyways, that I that came about because I'm a fanboy of Lowry and I'm a fanboy mm. of people I want on my podcast. Nice. But you're going to be on there a thousand percent, probably eight times a season. All right, cool. And we're going to do the that. exact same thing. Yeah. What's the premise? You, you, wanna, you told me that you want to do music on it. Yes. The premise is... Um, at the point of this podcast being your podcast, this episode being released, I'll say it's untitled, although there is a title. Yeah. But it's not approved yet. Um, and the premise is this I have creative people on who are actors or musicians or chefs or dancers or mm. what have you. And we talk for 30 minutes. And then the second half um, of the, the second 30 minutes or the second hour or two hours. We collaborate live in the studio. We're recording at Poster, mm -hmm. uh, which is near Revolution Recording, which is in Revolution Recording, mm -hmm. which has a 60-piece orchestra room oh. with every musical instrument ever inv invented. And um, I'm going to, you know, festoon the place with art supplies. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, if Jason Priestley comes on the show, we talk about him being an actor. He's known as, as an actor. Mm. And we talk about that for 30 minutes and then, but maybe he plays guitar. Yeah. And he's like, dude, let's go jam. Yeah. So we get up from the chairs. We walk over right there, surrounded by every instrument ever made. Right. And we jam and write a song. Mark Maron style. Right. Like, like Mark Maron? Yeah. Every once in a while, like he'll have a musician on and be like, yeah, you want to go and play? And Does he jam with for... them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh, make a little addendum. Um, but it's that or a painting or like a cooking session or a dance class. Yeah. yeah. Like in one episode, I'm getting a tattoo live during the thing. Oh, so, wow. and then at the end of the season, everything, yeah. the songs and the paintings and whatever we create, that's tangible. Yeah. Unlike a tattoo on my body, um, gets auctioned off to charity, Whoa. which is yet to be determined. We're in talks with different, we're trying to set something up with, the, yeah, yeah. um, charities and sponsors and different things. Huh? So, yeah, That's so essentially great. Drake comes on. He's a rapper. Everyone knows him as a rapper, but he's like, hey, man, I play drums. So he plays drums. I Does play guitar. Really? Or no, I'm just, you oh, know, oh, hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. You know, or uh, you come on and you're like, yes, I'm known as a musician, but yeah. I also, let's do an abstract painting. Let's see what happens. Right, yeah. And then we give it away to charity, you know? Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think it would be an exciting show because it lets people see, lets the audience see their favorite celebrities or just celebrities in general during their process, mm. actually witnessing them saying, let's go to B flat. Let's try this. Or yeah, yeah. do they gravitate towards a slow song? Do they, are they rockers? Are mm. they a chefs who really would like love to be working in a surf shack in Hawaii serving shrimp? Like that's their, right. you know, like just get to know them on a more personal level that isn't edited, you know? Nice. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Like for That's example, awesome. I'm an actor, right? right? And maybe someone would have me on a podcast as an actor, but they're like, 
hey man, go play a song. Let's all let's all nice. jam and you, me, and Ted or whoever yeah, start yeah. fucking jam. Yeah, It'd be cool, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And to see the magic happening, the or like just to have somebody on, just have them spit, freestyle. Like I would, I would love that. You know, me too. Yeah, yeah. So I have an engineer. His name is Steven Stepanek. Right. He's legendary in the industry he's mm-hmm. a plus and he and i get along like you and i do yeah and great. so he'll be sort of you know not that i'm howard stern but if i'm the howard stern he's the robin over there mm-hmm. or if i'm joe rogan he's the jamie over there who's sort of engineering these recordings and chiming in with jokes and shit and just sort of yeah, being a part of it like whatever yeah, yeah. And I do want some friends present when mm. I have other people on. So you're obviously included to be present. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I want chuckles and I want some li- – it's not going to be just quiet. Like I want some livelihood and I'm like, yeah, Jason, yeah. remember that time we did that, you know? Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. Nice. Um, I just wrote down working relationships. You know, uh, a friend of mine said like being in a band is basically – or. You know, playing music is basically choosing to be around people you want to hang out with, mm. you know, and like, and yeah. the best working situations are the ones where like, you know, the people that you're working with are amazing, you know, hundred uh, percent in every in every situation I've been in, like in restaurants, in uh, in moving, in theater, in film, you know, like the more. Not to say that you don't bring your best and you don't bring professionalism, but the more relaxed you can be in your professionalism and, and like, just know that, like, you're among kindred spirits. You yeah. Know? Um, how do you, I, I don't know, how do you do, how do you set the tone in a room? Like, as a leader, like, a, uh, as an artist, as a musician, as a, as a director, actor, like, how do you set the tone for, like, just, like, you know, openness to the work and stuff? Yeah. Um. I totally agree with you that it affects your work environment. If you're friendly with people, if you genuinely like their company, it makes it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's goes back to the, you know, possibly creating a network of podcasts. Cause I like you, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to include your friends. If you, if I succeed, I'm bringing my friends with me. Yeah. yeah. You know, like even Steven is someone I work with. Yeah. So to answer your question, I work at many studios directing radio and voiceover, radio and TV voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you hear things like how Bell makes business better, there's your free thing, Bell. Nice. Like I direct all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, you and first of all, I have to say I've made only great relationships. I don't have anything bad to say about that experience at all. And it's been eight years or something of doing it. Mm -hmm. But for example, Steven is an engineer I've worked with on many spots when I'm directing. Of course, yeah. And he and I just like each other. Right. And I just, I'm happy when I'm around him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like when I see you, Mm -hmm. I just feel like, hey buddy, like you just feel good. Like I feel like I've known you my whole life and Mm -hmm. I feel like totally comfortable and safe and fucking rad around you. And same with him. And I think you're both like funny guys and smart guys and multi-talented guys. So I like those kind of people. Mm. And so I'm including him on the podcast. So I totally agree that like, or your question, I guess, about how would I lead it as a director? I think as an artist, I'm by myself doing it. So I'm not leading it. In fact, the muse is leading me, Mm. but as a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's another whole conversation in that. I don't remember half of my paintings in that I, awaken from a fugue and i'm like fuck that's that's pretty good 
I don't how know. long does a fugue last? Like a night, you know? Yeah. Yeah, till like sunrise. It's like one mode. Uh, 100%. When do you create, can I ask? Nighttime for sure. Yeah. yeah. Never before maybe 11 p.m. Music writing, writing, art creation. Yeah. It's all nocturnal. Huh. And I know, and it sucks, dude, because I get judged a lot on my schedule. Mm-hmm. I what am not. I'm, my parents were nocturnal. I'm nocturnal. Have yeah. been my whole life since school. Yeah. And I get judged because people, even like women and girlfriends have said like, you sleep all day. Yeah. But I'm just on a different schedule in that when I wake up, do you know mm. anyone else who's made like 300 fucking paintings in 10 years and like written albums worth of materials and gone down yeah, to LA yeah. and signed with Sony? Like I'm a driven dude. I just sleep at a different time. Yeah. You know? And it's uh, kind of independently driven then. Like, yeah. Like it's, uh, it's producing. Uh, like it's just, it's just, I can't solitude isolation or like, it's just like this free time. Cause like, I've been getting up earlier and then everything, everything that exists around me, like before 7am is like totally free time. You yeah. know, like if I happen to wake up at like five 30 or whatever, like I used to get really mad and be like, Oh God, how do I get back <laughs> to sleep? Now I'm just like, you know what? It's part of what happens. Like, like when you're 40 plus and it's like, I can have, you know, I can be pissy all day or I could just like get up and like take advantage of it. So I start reading or, you know, like yes. I, I meditate or like whatever. Like, and it's wonderful. Like, well, has it snowballed into a wonderful time now? Yeah. Like, has it become something you now kind of like and you, yeah, it yeah. becomes a mini pleasure? Like, I did want to want to talk about some stuff. So we we've talked about the creation of art and like going through like a cycle of this yeah. and a cycle of this. Like I'm definitely entering a new one. I, yeah. But I feel like um, music doesn't have the same kind of thing. Like there are musical styles that evolve, and like there are sounds that evolve, like in each era. You know, like like the sound that's happening now is different from five years ago, ten years, fifteen. Yeah. You know, uh, like the production style and all of that stuff but the creation that you know you and i create together or like you bring an idea to me i bring an idea to you um the creation doesn't seem to be anchored in any part like it's just music you know that that we do Mm -hmm. um do you find that music taps a different spot that uh or scratches a different Mm. edge from art Interesting. I'm only thinking about that in this moment because, you know, previously I said it's all one thing. Yeah, yeah. But does it scratch? I think it may actually because when I think about art with painting or collage or visual art, it is more of like a a fight or a Mm, battle. Really? And I like to, and you want to win. You're like, like everything's going well in painting and then maybe there's that one stroke that ruins it. And you can't press delete or undo. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you. I'm going to beat you, dude. And then you keep going and build and build. And then sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Whereas music for me is almost like another, it absolutely is another dimension. Art, yeah. making visual art, I'm extremely free and not thinking and just being real in the moment and just doing stuff. Yeah. But there is still 10% of me that is thinking and wants to be technically right and art, do the eyes look correct? Mm. Whereas music is 100% 
or 99%. Like, I feel like I'm a conduit and just whatever's coming out. I don't uh-huh. think about it. Yeah. Until I separate the creator from the critic. Yeah, yeah. I think people get caught up in combining the two in that, I'm going to write a song. And as they're writing, they're like, what's the next chord? Not that mm. shitty. And separate the, just write a bunch of shit. Just go without thinking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Record it. Like, I record myself every single night I'm home alone. Like, after, you know, tonight I'll do that after this show, after mm. this podcast. Yeah. And pick out the best parts and then critique. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying right now because I'm a little bit mm. boo boo and no, no. yeah, yeah. Um, that's funny you say that about uh, about the art <laughs> being a fight, yes. and the music being a flow. Yeah, flow. It comes out very easily. Yeah, Joni Mitchell uh, said in an interview that um, being around her art is much easier than being around her music. Like, for who? Uh, for her. For for her as for, as the artist, because like you were saying, you know, uh, in her case, she was saying, uh, you know, she would walk past a painting and then she would be like, oh no, no, nose too fat, or like it's too wide, like just you know, yeah. like just like very technically, you just need to you need to make it right and then it's fine. You can live with it because like like this is the best you've done. She would listen to now. Maybe it's the difference between creating and recording. But she would listen to recordings of hers, and right. she would always question, like, "Oh, why did I make that choice there? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like why did I do that with my voice, or like, what happened there with the guitar, or whatever?" Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, like moving forward from her recorded music, like she would, you know, like kind of move further and further away from the person who made those decisions, right? As opposed to with the art, it was like, okay, I understand what I was going for here, and this is proper, you know. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, like I love the songwriting. I guess I love the thing you said about her listening to her recordings and going, "I wish I'd done that differently," or whatever. Mm-hmm. That brings me to something which I consider um, a revelation for me personally. Mm-hmm. And maybe she wants to, I mean, she's Joni Mitchell. She's perfect. Blue is a great record. I mean, that's a fucking amazing classic great. record. Ladies of the Canyons is incredible. If every, oh everybody God. should own one record, you know, of hers. Her album, her album of Mingus work. It was the last thing Charles Mingus did before he died. Tell me about that. Um, it was, uh, I think it was called Joni Mitchell Mingus. And uh, she did uh, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat and like like a handful of things. I think Jocko played on it uh, for a couple of tracks. Anyway, Jocko Pistorius. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool it man. A, it was an incredible collaboration. Like she's just so. I love confident. the the projects they're allowed to do once they're at that level. Like Elvis Costello's like. Well, in her case, it was like the project that she allowed herself to do. Sorry. Uh, no, continue. Yeah. No, it just. Uh, you know, she reached a point where she did, you know, like she felt like she had to move forward as an artist. So, you know, uh, one thing that she talked about was, you know, uh, both sides now or clouds, I think is the name of the song. Um, you know, I've looked at, I've looked at clouds. I've looked at life. I've looked at love from both sides now. And she said that at the time where she wrote it, it felt strange to like, as a young ingenue character that she would, you know, perform, uh, that that was strange for a young woman to sing, mm-hmm. you know, but like, uh, when she did it in her fifties again, yeah. that was, uh, that had like a lot more depth and more validity to, you know, and she just, you know, performed it entirely. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. To me that, that falls under the umbrella of 
I love that. It, it, it feels like the same umbrella as your whole life's art is one symphony. Yeah. Like she wrote that song when she was what in her twenties or like early, early right? mid twenties. Yeah. And then in her fifties, she connected to it, but she's that same timeless. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to articulate it because I haven't explored it verbally aloudly myself, mm-hmm. but the idea of like, you're just this being who makes a ton of shit but it's all one thing, you know, like she made it then she wasn't ready for it until she was 50, but it's still in her wheelhouse of who she is, you know, such a great song. I mean, yeah. And her thing about the mistakes I want to say, or about wishing to re-record. Yeah. I do want to say that one of my favorite things is that David Bowie is one of my favorite people who's ever lived. Yeah. And maybe number two after the Beatles for favorite musician. Wow. Um, I mean, probably number two and then Brian Wilson, but Hmm. But one thing Brian Eno and David Bowie did when they recorded together was they had a little piece of paper, a little post-it note up in the studio that said, yeah. emphasize your mistakes. Wow. So if they, if he had a shitty vocal performance or a, on a scratch vocal or a, mm-hmm. a guitar that was like a little bit flat, kind of like late or something, but they kind of like, they're like, let's just live with it for a bit. Yeah. And it might become your favorite part. So if you listen to Bowie, there's a million mistakes. Like his doubles are not synced. There's shit all over the place. It's sloppy, mm-hmm. but that's the humanity and the charm and the soul yeah. that we don't have in current, like computerized music, you know? Yeah. And those yeah. become your favorite parts. Yeah. 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 So live absolutely. with it for a bit and it could become like the most endearing part of that track. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are you writing mm-hmm. a lot these days or are you busy with other projects? Uh, I'm writing right now. Uh, I'm doing a series of, pieces for modern dance at york university mm. specifically like contemporary dance so how'd like, you hook up with that uh well my girlfriend is teaching so I, uh yeah um <laughs> mark that yeah right yeah uh right. so are you are you uh are you writing a lot these days or like music for yourself or not really like when's the, i mean i remember i can name some songs i don't want to name them right now in case they're still private or not trademarked but mm. oh, oh mm. what's up like are you writing that? stuff for yourself like I, songs like that do you mm. know what song i'm talking about yeah, i do i do a song a song that that started here like in the basketball diaries i think i i i wish i wish i could take credit for being a part of that but really you brought it to me and said Essentially, here's the thing. It's and just blah, blah, blah. a little bit, but like, but that's a good it was a one. Collaboration that fleshed, fleshed it out. Thanks. I have two favorite things I'm we did. That's that. one, and the other one we'll talk about later. But that's one. Mm. What is the other one? It's just a descending line that I play to this day, mm-hmm. and I I feel like I've written forty unfinished songs around it. Excuse me. I think I might know what you're talking about. I think, yeah. And because I would just like I would take my phone and I would put on voice recorder and I would just plop, plop it down and then we would play and we would play and I would look over it or I wouldn't and me I too I remember like some of the things I was like oh fuck yeah yeah you know when I went over it I was like oh I remember that and then I would go over some of the things you know so you and I record probably I know I record many mm-hmm. numerous voice memos and garage band demos and things that I never yeah. go back to some I do some I don't but you do remember those handfuls of melodies. And Paul McCartney always said, it's like before he could record it at home on his laptop before they existed. Yeah. 
he said if he forgot the melody it wasn't meant to be and if it was damn good he'd remember it you know yeah and so one of ours hmm. that was damn good was that descending melody that i remember went to a d diminished to an a nine or something yeah and i i can write 25 songs around that and we yeah, have to, we yeah. should make something out of that and just like you know give ourselves co-writing credit 50 50 to say we yeah, wrote yeah. the song yeah, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good one there's lots there we should explore but. yeah well i mean you know uh depending on the setup of uh the as yet unnamed danny smith podcast project <laughs> exactly because i'm thinking like I'm going to take advantage because here's mm. one idea is mm. uh, go ahead. Go, no, 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 no. Go ahead. One, one idea, idea for the podcast is to get suggestions from the audience and listeners and viewers about chord changes and song titles. So they will say just out of the blue, like picking out of a hat, a G Whoa. minor B, whatever. And we write a yeah. song in the moment, or they say the song is called skeleton kitten or whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But yeah, I do want to rig some songs beforehand where I'm like, yo, we have this idea. Let's yeah. flesh it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we're in a real legit studio and we're actually recording it for real, dude. So let's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, take advantage of the acoustics, take advantage of the technology present yeah. and uh, and do it right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to this on the way over and I thought this would be a good thing to work on. Radiohead. Oh, Yeah. Uh, you know, five, four time and like just harmonize the shit out of it you know how would you interpret it for those people listening i just want to say that he's tipped me off to a radiohead song that we can't mention yeah what really? for some reason well, i don't know I don't you know. did that well i just want to keep it like a secret okay it's like but just because we did j did just shift topics and i want to say that we are now talking about a radiohead song that maybe we'll cover okay. yeah right yeah yeah as well as how would you interpret it, it though how would you change it because it's very specific and it's acoustic it's are there drums? Because drums are very prominent in that track. Um, <laughs> okay, it would start with me song. playing percussion on the upright, just <laughs> hitting it, and then you singing, and then playing guitar, mm -hmm. and then when you play guitar, the bass comes in, and then switching between between pizzicato and arco. Yeah. So, you know, there's distorted bits. Oh my God. I'd I'm so glad jam. I don't have my bass. <laughs> How many miles do you think you've lugged that bass? Oh, that up people, this is an upright bass, not a Fender P bass. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a big bad boy stand up bass. Her name is Rosie. Her name's Rosie. And uh there was an accident that happened where her, where yeah. the wheel that she carried the, that I carried her with went through the side and it looked mm -hmm. like a bullet wound. So then she was gunshot, Rosie. Mm -hmm. And then something happened a week before we were going to record. Uh, we'd gone to Midland and uh, the instrument fell over, cracked its neck, mm -hmm. and I had less than a week to to fix Rosie. So that I could go and record the album that uh, that very next week. Uh, I don't know that part. I know the gunshot part, but not that. What yeah, album yeah. were you allowed to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Laura Tremblay, and it was lived it well. It was a week out. We had played like kind of like the the last fundraiser show to go and record the first album, and we were 
Yeah, yeah. It just fell over. So, uh, the case was weighted down with a bunch of cables and, and patches and stuff, uh, pedals. And the case was weighted down, and the neck, the end of the fingerboard, just happened to hit an amp that was just at the wrong height at that point in time. <laughs> and there was just momentum. And then I picked it up, and the, and the, the neck was limp. And I'm in this, you know, Midland. Oh my God, in that's the middle sickening. of small town. It cracked in half, yeah, right through. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, I'm just gesturing with with my with my forearm and my other part of the arm. Um, <laughs> Tricep. Where the <laughs> tricep? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's just muscles inside. What do you call this part of the arm? The first part of the arm. The first part of the arm. <laughs> there you go. See? Yeah, bicep. Uh, that's a tricep underneath. Yeah. So, uh, so here's the fingerboard. It's my forearm, <laughs> and then the part that connects the the neck to the body is this part, and it snapped off right in the middle, and it just went Shit. pop. And it was my first like major break. Oh my and god! Like like break of the instrument. I mean, and I just like I felt it, and it was just limp and like just feeling wrong. Like it wasn't tense and like you know like good and like solid. And I opened it up and I see what happened and I just like walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I got up, I opened the door and I just walked away. I had a cigarette. And I was yes. Like, and everyone was there my girlfriend at the time was there all of this stuff and um i go back i pick up the pieces literally yes metaphorically i go uh uh go to the hotel room and just staring at my instrument and i was just i had no idea how much it was going to cost yeah or if it could be done in a week right or if it could be done yeah yeah i was just staring at staring at my instrument just going i'm so sorry I'm sorry I did that. Oh my god! I'm just apologizing to my instrument because instruments. Talk, I've been yeah. talking for a while. Is there is sorry? Is there more wine? Uh, I believe there's a yes. Of course there is. Okay, yeah. Uh, I would take another glass of wine and I would take a volley from you. Relationship with instruments. Do you want a second? No. Okay. Um, I just want to say that. When you had that moment where you're like, I just had to take a moment and have a smoke and after it, mm-hmm. it broke. Yeah. It, no, I was going to do that. I was going to give you a question and then cue oh, you up. Oh, shit. All right. But All do right. your thing. No, no, do um, it. All right. What is it? When you said that thing about seeing your your baby uh, gunshot Rosie. Yeah, yeah. Broke, broke neck gunshot Rosie. Now. And you're like, yeah. I just have to take a break and walk away and have a cigarette. I, yeah, I can't yeah. even deal and it just reminded me of a story. My mom had a huge thing of ground coffee. Yeah. And she was bringing it home. Or not bringing it home. It was open. Yeah. But she dropped it on her living room white carpet. Oh, my God. And she said, she's like, I was like, oh, my God. She's like, I just sat down. I watched The Bachelor. <laughs> like, I couldn't fucking deal oh with that God. right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Um, I've lost my thought now. Um, uh, instruments. Oh, and she's like, I can't deal with that right now. Yeah. Um. So did you fix it? Is she alive or is she? Oh yeah, yeah. Has yeah. she been retired? No, no. Uh, came back. It turns out it was a break that happened in the exact right spot. Uh, it happened in, in a spot where it could be glued down on both sides, and then it uh, it reattached and. 
by happenstance, uh, the glue actually cleaned up the sound a little bit. It was a bit muddy no on the low way. end. I'm serious. It was like boom, boom, boom on the low end, like boom. No way. And then it was just like boom. It was a clear, more con- more concise, low level uh, sound. Meant to be, maybe. Yeah. Are you happier with the sound now? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, which you know, again, is just lucky. And so I love is that this. Sound. Yeah. We're audiophiles. We love sound. What's the best album ever made? Give me your top five. Give me your top uh, three. Give me your top one. Electric Ladyland. Kind of blue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. Top five albums of all time. Electric. Yeah, definitely Electric Those ones. Ladyland. It doesn't have to be specific definitely to you. It could be just like, what blue. albums do you love? You know, everyone's like, what are your top three? Yeah, right. Kind right. of blue, really, eh? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was a touchstone for album sure for me. And for everybody. Every time, yeah, every time I listen to it, I go back to a very like wonderful place. You know, with the caveat of not overdoing it. Uh, Tom Waits's Rain Dogs. Mm-hmm. That album was like, you know, brings me back to a moment of like real discovery of, you know, like something that resonated uh, with me very deeply. I'd like to ask about Tom Waits actually yeah, because yeah. he's in a category of performers for me that I absolutely respect. Mm-hmm. Like an Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. I think he's super fucking cool. I totally respect him. He deserves to be in the pantheon of greatness. Yeah. yeah. But what like people are obsessed with Tom Waits. What is the appeal that he's just quirky and different and speaks for like a kind of sad, un- misunderstood personality? Or what is his appeal that makes him people like obsessed with him? I can't, I can't speak for everyone, but I can definitely speak for myself. Um, I came to him, he came to me at a point in my life where I was very confused and I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, I was at a very difficult uh, point in my life and there came this sound and this music and the and these group of people and this instrumentation that was confused and difficult and mm. strange and kind of like um like out in its own little rowboat you know totally uh i've heard a story and i kind of think that it's true that tom waits had a band in and or i want to believe that it's true the spirit of it is definitely true Tom Waits had a, had a group of musicians in and they were doing a part and he was like, no, 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 it's too clean. It's, you know, it's too like on top of, oh, no, it's not right. And the legend has it that he took them out to live in the backwoods, like <laughs> near a swamp for a week. And then they went back in and recorded and yeah. then they got it right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love lore like that. But like, you know, like just like that, things go off the rails, and that's what the characters are about in the in the songs that he writes. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know the Rod Stewart cover of his song "Downtown Train." Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. It like to me when I listen to Rod Stewart sing it, it's like I'm gonna different... meet you tonight, and it's gonna be great. This fantasy of mine is gonna play out. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Tom Waits' version, it's a guy who doesn't know what to do. 
he knows that he want desires closeness with someone mm-hmm. and the, the best idea that he has is to ride the subway yes you know like it's about that desperation like will i see you tonight like every night is just the same you know and like just this feeling of like loneliness and not having like a good idea yes you know? but wanting connection yeah yeah so connecting with a guy who is you know, like who has been in those things. Like he was on John Stewart once and like John Stewart said like, you know, that Tom Waits, he, he was saying this to Tom Waits. He's like, you know, that Tom Waits, there's a guy that I'd love to like, you know, like be like, you know, like gut stabbed and dying in, in a gutter <laughs> with, you know, like he seems like a guy that you'd want to hang out with in like yeah. dire moments. And he's like, Oh, thanks John. That's uh wow. <laughs> Yeah. And for anybody listening, he is Heath Ledger's Joker. If you don't know that by yeah. now, you're the last person on earth that doesn't know that. that. I'm sorry. Very. But 100% Heath, and Heath Ledger is arguably the best Joker, but it is Tom mm. Waits 100%. Go Google that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's an incredible performance. Like the reference, even like just deepens the performance. Heath Ledger's performance. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but did you connect with, or did you? I guess you can only speak from your own experience, not other people's. But did you or other people connect to Tom Waits because you felt the same way, or because it was a, f- a fun fantasy escapism thing, like hip hop? Let's say like '90s hip hop, NWA for like young suburban kids in Pickering, Ontario, it was escapism and a fun thing. Like, Oh, that'd be cool. But we didn't relate. Did you relate? I related. I definitely related. Um, have you ever seen, uh, he has an uncredited cameo in a, uh, Terry Gilliam movie, uh, the Fisher King with Robin Williams. A hundred years ago. Yes. I know the film very well. Not very well. Talk about favorites, (laughs) but like, favorites in that they were touched on moments and in, in like my you know adolescence i yeah. guess uh that that film i connected with so much because like it was just about like you know like life being thrown into chaos and whatnot i'm gonna watch it again tonight that's uh, it's, it's an incredible what's the premise again the premise uh the premise is um jeff bridges is like a howard stern type of shock jock like early career howard stern and then one of his listeners goes out and goes on a killing spree yeah. that he alleges was based on the advice that Jeff Bridges' character did. And one of the people who gets shot is the wife of Robin Williams. So Robin Williams, we as we get introduced to him, is a homeless person living yes. in New York City. And, um, and he gets to connect with the person who was the inadvertent you know, like tipping point for the killer. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautifully wrought story of two lost souls who meant to put good into the world. And then they're, they're left with scrambling with the remains. And yeah. Tom Waits plays, you know, like, like has a little, um, has, has a moment of a, like a legless veteran. He's just uh, giving a speech of about like what it's like to, to be a panhandler in uh, Great yeah, in Penn Station or something, you know. Uh, is it Square. a cameo or is he in the film in more it's than one scene? Uncredited cameo of just that one. Yeah. Um, Uncred. He's such a cool uncredited kind of guy. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. I know not very little about him. Oh man. Um, you should school me. Yeah. But is he kind of an 
I don't okay. need the credit kind of guy. Another legend about him, and this is this is another part of uh, his music that I love so much. He, now again, this is Tom Waits' legend, but when he was young, like he was the piano crooner, like you know, like he just sing songs, sixpence, pocket full of rhyme. Hush now, my baby, no need to be crying. You know, like mm. really burn the midnight oil with me. You know, like like really like like just right in there and like sexy and romantic, like, you know, romantic Poetic. and all that stuff. But he found that no one was paying attention to his poetry, and he was going through a difficult mm. time with uh, with drug addiction at the time. And rumor has it is that he um, he went on like a weekend bender. Uh, and uh, he blew his voice out, so it went from being like no way to like no way. Yeah, no, yeah. So when you come out of the seventies with Tom Waits, he's like he's not in a good place physically, emotionally. Um, and the, this is where he meets his wife, Kathleen. Okay. They meet on a movie, uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie called, uh, one from the heart. Um, who's in that one? I don't remember. One oh, from the dude. heart. Uh, I watched it. It, uh, it, it's like Jessica it's a, Lang or something. It's the movie is the last movie that Francis Ford Coppola directed. Every movie after that, he listed himself as Francis Coppola. Like Jack or something with Robin Williams, it's, which I never saw. But it's the movie. That's not yeah, true. yeah, like Jack. Yeah, you're you know right. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like that. It's the movie that w- it was the movie after Apocalypse. Now this is a deep well, tangent, way after. but well, no, no, like it was the next movie that he did. No, he did, Apocaly- he did Apocalypse. Now it took like two years. Pull that up, Jamie. And <laughs> It took like like two years. There was all this. There was all this thing. Like freaking Variety magazine was like, "This is gonna be the end of him. He's gone over budget. Like he's gone too far this time. All this stuff." Oh, yeah, and then like, it comes in, and it's incredible. It's a masterpiece, and it's a hit, right? Yeah. Apocalypse Now. So you you know, oh, like, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, one yeah. of the biggest one movies. From the heart. They're like one of the biggest movies of the seventies. Uh, and so that gives him enough latitude and money so that he can start his own studio. He starts his own studio. Zoetrope. That's exactly right. Yes. Uh, I'm really smart. (laughs) And, uh, Zoetrope. Yeah. Uh, and he, he started his own studio and he wanted to work it like, you know, like the paradise, the paradisical boss. Uh, if you can get the what, if you like the, the boss, like the generous boss, you know, like, like he is the boss of paradise. This is the best job. So, mm-hmm. and he said, if you could do five days of work in four, the fifth day you can use it in your own projects. So you can use, you can use film, you can use like like the house's facilities or your facilities if you're doing your job. Right. Keeps everyone inspired too, because they're like, Mm. they know on Friday they get to do their thing. Yeah. So this movie, One from the Heart, um, it comes up, this is the first movie under Zootrope that Francis Ford Coppola is directing. Okay. And he's trying out all these different things and all this stuff. And the movie is a disaster. Yes, I've no, I'm not even familiar with it. It went way over time. It went way over budget. And 
And after Apocalypse Now, they're like, fuck you, man. It was like Even though light, he delivered. It was a light one. romantic comedy, you know, like musical romantic comedy. And it was really strange and it never quite hit the note that it was that it was looking for, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but the album is beautiful. And Tom Waits meets a copywriter on that show whose name is Kathleen Brennan. That, and then they hit it off. He then, she... They get married, like, I think in fairly short order. I, like, you'd have to check the stats on this. But, like, she was like, okay, this guy is incredible. He's an incredible talent. He's an incredible performer. I know. I want someone to feel that and way about me, man. she took him out of L.A. and brought him to New York because he realized, like, he was in, like, very, like, bad cycles in New York. Or, mm-hmm. sorry, in L.A. Mm-hmm. And his L.A. friends have gone on, on... Uh, you know, on record is saying like, yeah, like he, if he kept hanging out with us, like he would have gone in a very bad way. He could have died. So, you know, she took him out of all that and she introduced him to Captain Beefheart. And then he goes from being the jazz crooner who was feeling like he had written the same song eight times into like, you know, like kind of mid program Tom Waits. And this is where you get like Blue Valentine and Jersey Girl and uh, and then you get into the Frank trilogy, you know, which is like Rain Dogs is album number two off of that. And like, it what's the just, trilogy? Uh, the Frank trilogy. What are the three albums? Uh, it is briefly it's Swordfish Trombone, uh, Rain Dogs, and then Frank's Wild Years. Those okay. are the three. And, and Frank is the character. Throughout. Frank is the character throughout. Like he, he's like you know, like it's a it's a three album arc of a concept piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't if you had unlimited if you had unlimited wealth, mm-hmm. produce Voicek. Don't you think you would be the same kind of guy, but you'd make a shit ton of albums and movies and fun projects? But don't you think you'd basically be the same kind of dude? I mean, like, or would you be driving Lamborghinis and wearing Gucci? Okay, only? no, no to that. But more money, more problems. You know, like like a bunch of things would Thank come you. up. You know what I mean? Yeah, cheers, cheers man. Mm. That's the first one where it sounded like Chris. Here, let's grab by the stems. Let's yes. Give a good ASMR experience of. Oh, still Not triple bad. tap. There we go. Not bad. Niagara glasses. Mm. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. This is uh Vino Italiano. Lucarelli Primitivo Vino Italiano. Someone bought that based on the label. Like that's a uh, that's a basing a book by its cover. Like it looks cool, dude. Let's drink that shit. Yep. Yeah. No, no. Everything uh, about this screams so table wine. <laughs> like this is like just like That's what you put put on a table in an Italian family. Uh, Oh, yeah? This is dinner wine. Yeah, yeah. You probably know wines very well from your years. Coming from Sault Marie? (laughs) No, but your years in in sort of restauranting and shit like that. Like, you know what's good, what's not good. I feel like I have a strong... You're a a sommelier. No, no, no. Because I worked in bars and I worked in restaurants that are kind of like a step up from bars. So we had our own selection. I never went like the kind of like, you know, like deep understanding route. I would say that similar to reading music, I've got like a strong in, but you know, like I'm by, I'm a no, by no means can I sight read. Wine, <laughs> right. Wine, right. You know? Yeah. 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 Mm. 
You worked in bars as a, what a bartender, a mixologist, a never stripper, mixologist. What? Have you ever stripped for money? I have never stripped for money. Yeah, we got to make this ed- this podcast a, a little bit more like X-rated to get people excited. Mm. 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 How many times have you made love in public? <laughs> Under the advice of counsel, I will decline to answer. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take a bathroom break. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. One from the heart. Uh, just to continue on to this, this thing. We just took yeah. a little break there, but one from the heart was a movie about, uh, they called it, there's the story of the gods and then there's a story on earth. Okay. So Tom Waits had written this series of songs and duets or like songs with a male voice and female voice. Uh, relating to, you know, like a, a breakup and makeup relation portion of a relationship, mm-hmm. and so the score is these this series of songs of these two people that are unseen, living out their their reality, you know, and then you see the like the two characters on screen. Who are going through their own version mm-hmm. of breakup and makeup, mm-hmm. and so it's an interesting idea. It's a challenging idea. The music is fantastic. It, I think it's a vastly overlooked album because of the you know the failure of the of the yeah. film. But like the film is just like it was. Was the album crying. first, or was it written for that film? Um, it was written and released as the soundtrack to the film. Okay. And uh, yeah, and Tom Waits was never happy with the right. with the way the rights panned out and all this kind of stuff. And he wished he could have promoted it on his own a bit more, but it was mm-hmm. so tied to it that he didn't. You know, he wasn't able to maximize the the money that he, that he was making from it. Uh, but like it was fantastic, and like Crystal Gale, like the woman with the hair down. Yeah, the floor, of course. Like, um, <laughs> but she's incredible in it. You know, like she was like the pop singer of the time, like you know, country pop singer of the time. But like she was really, really good. She was an actress in the film too. No, or no, she, she was. She on... was the female voice in the in the music. Okay, that's unexpected. Un- unexpected pairing, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they wanted Francis Ford Coppola heard uh, the duet that Tom Waits had done with Bette Midler, and they wanted to do that. But Bette Midler was starting off as an actor with the Rose and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and so their uh, her agent was like, no. She would have to be like a featured, you know, like on screen role lead and all actress, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So they went looking for somebody else who would be a good fit, and it was Crystal Gale. Yeah. And like, she's great. And the songs are great. Like, they're really, you know, well wrought songs. Like, cool. Like, they have this musical fight. Um, the song is called Picking Up After You, you know, and each of them really just like, I'm kind of tired of picking up after you. you know, just so sick and tired of picking up after you. Mm. you know, like that Crystal Gale, brown eyes, blue, mm-hmm. like kind of kind of voicing and whatnot. And it's really, you know, it's beautiful. Duets, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that was the beginning of his shift into, you know, like like kind of a mid period and then he went you know kind of late period where he was he'd established what he'd done and he started you know doing different kinds of work what's his most celebrated period depends on who you ask because the early period is incredible the first five albums are undeniable the next five albums are 
undeniable. The next five albums are undeniable. <laughs> like, you know, and then he's got like a three, a three album, <clears throat> like a three LP, three CD release uh, called Orphans. There right. Were songs that he'd recorded over the years that never made the cut of the album. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Yeah. And it spans like 30 years of songwriting, you know? It's like 20 songs or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But is he generally regarded as like his first five albums? Like that's classic Tom Waits. It's perfect. Or in that mid period, is he also hot? Like the later he, period doesn't count as much, like when it's the 80s and stuff. And it's like. His peers would be, like in my mind, his peers would be Neil Young. Um. And then, like on the whole of his progression as an artist, yeah. Bob Dylan. You know, what do like you mean? A, uh, like Bob Dylan kept making relevant albums, like for throughout his entire career. Okay. And so did Neil Young. And so did Tom Waits. Um, after that, you know, you're like, okay, Joni Mitchell for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miles Davis with all the different iterations that he that he had had. Um, you know, and then you start having to think about it, you know, like Jimmy was incredible, but he died young. Like so many bands like had like a limited run, yeah. you know, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, uh, the original lineup <laughs> of the who, yeah. um, Nirvana. Yeah, for sure. Nirvana. Metallica's different lineups. Yeah. Like, it's different funny how a different lineup changes. Yeah. 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 Like Sorry. if the, if the smashing pumpkins tour without, James Ehaw and mm. Darcy, you're like, well, it's not the that pumpkin. band has not been the Pumpkins in a while, and the Who, not, uh, that's gross. Yeah. Two of you guys died, and you still tour as the Who? No. <laughs> no. What are you gonna do though? That's you know, you're on this earth. That was your success. You might as well play it out. You know, yeah. make a buck, and, you and all make a of those bands like had like a moment where it was just like, that's what happened. It's funny you say Van Halen because. Eddie Van Halen is the reason I started playing music. Mm. He's the reason I play guitar. Q107 is a radio station in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And my sister is seven years older, and Q107, and I was hanging out in her bedroom when I was a little boy. Yeah, yeah. And Q107 played Van Halen 1 in its entirety with no breaks. Mm. And I was like, what the F is that? Like, when I heard Eruption, I was like, what is that? Mm. And I became obsessed, and my parents bought me a red guitar, and I put white and black duct tape on it. That's true. Yeah! And I self-taught myself from that day on. I was like, fuck no it, I gotta way. learn. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can't read music, don't know what chords are called, I just play. Mm. And it's because of that guy. And it's funny, because nobody mentions Van Halen. Like, They're not cool today in a cool way or an ironic way. Mm. Like people can look at Poison and say like fuck yeah Poison Motley Crue they're this funny. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But nobody looks at Van Halen with respect or irony. They're totally erased, dude. Mm. Okay. I have a Van, I have a hot Eddie Van Halen take. I think that as far as influence influencing the sound of a guitar Eddie Van Halen's influence runs as deep as of Jimmy, course, Hen- Jimmy of Hendrix. Of course. Jimmy Hendrix. But nobody what, talks about them. Like, nobody talks about there Van Halen. There was such a change in what a guitar was after Van Halen. Yeah. You know, like, he was just made everything different. And that, along with Black Sabbath, you know, like, it just changed the sound of 
what a certain portion of white America was listening to, you know? like Van Halen and Black Sabbath, I don't consider them heavy metal, but they're the beginning of heavy. I mean, for yeah. sure Black Sabbath is the beginning one's, of heavy metal. One's like mood and feel and darkness, and the other one is like highly technical proficiency, you know? like And let's fucking party. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little boy growing yeah. up in Pickering, and I'm listening to Van Halen, I'm like, let's fucking party i wanted to live the fantasy that david lee roth and david and eddie van halen were perpetuating Mm -hmm. and i got into the beach boys before or after that i don't remember from my parents albums but that was also california and i was obsessed with la and in my high school yearbook i wrote future goals move to la and become a rock star yeah it's all i want to ask you a question before we move on Mm. what what were your favorite albums that your parents owned that were like just albums around and you're like, whoa. Records. Yeah. You know, honest to God. It's weird. Cause I've, I've never answered that question, but two just came into my mind really nice. quickly. And there's still two of my favorite albums ever made. Yeah. And I don't remember my parents ever listening to any records that I thought were cool before. Like they listened to, you know, stuff later, but all the records I kind of found in the basement were, Anyways, the two records that stuck with me that were big impact were three actually. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life, the Beatles White Album, yeah, and the Beatles Revolver. Wow. Those three I remember playing a lot and being like, "Fuck, this is cool, dude." Yeah, I mean wow. Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life, and later I discovered Inner Visions, and of course Talking Book and different albums. Right, but Inner Visions and, and songs in the key of life. Songs in the Key of Life might be the best album ever made, maybe. Like, it is fucking on hard, a, so hard, oh, many man. levels. Can I tell you? So many levels. I think I have perfect pitch, and anyone listening to this right now, check that album. How does it start? Ooh. I think that's the opening note, but yeah. let's see. We'll check it later. I love you. Good morning or evening. We can't probably can't even sing that for legal reasons. No, no. I think you're allowed to perform anything. Like that's considered a cover. A cover. Yeah. I don't have my phone, but we can check the key on that. But whatever. Check. It. I'll check it later oh, for man. sure. Because I think I have perfect pitch, even though I'm a weirdo. Mm. I'm delusional. I am. I swear to God. Can I tell you a funny story about songs in the key of life? Yes. I listened to the radio when I was a kid, uh, um, and like Stevie Wonder was on the radio, and I heard Sir Duke. Yeah. <laughs> and then, through weird circumstance, uh, I moved to Sault Ste. Marie, and I never heard it for 20 years. Oh my God, it's so, and it's then so ubiquitous. Arri- and then, I arrive in Toronto... And like having started fair, my s- fair, fair, fair. Yeah. check the key, I bet that's it. I am gonna check a hundred percent after because I had started my my thing on perfect funk. Uh, I'd started my funk study yeah. and everything, and I was like, all right, people talk a lot about Stevie Wonder, so I get a Stevie Wonder greatest hits, <laughs> and Sir Duke comes on, and it triggered something so sharp in my brain. Yeah, I hadn't heard that song in such a long time 
that I thought that the memory of it was a figment of my childhood imagination. <laughs> like I just thought that that was like a like a little thing that I had made up. Sung or to yourself. Because I'd never and, heard it again. Yeah. And then I hear it, and I'm like, oh my god. And it took me back to when I was three and four and in the car and like in my parents' yard where they were getting sod laid and, you know, like. Where they were getting what? Sod laid. Sod laid? Your parents were getting Oh. Having the lawn put in. Like, like, my parents were getting laid, man. It was fucking (laughs) amazing memory. Oh, I'm sure. Oh man, it was obviously happening. Yeah. But yeah, um, you're here, thank God. But thank uh, God they. And then, and then I started getting into the incredible catalog that is TV Wonder. When you and say I like there was something sharp about it, what was it? What was it? Was it the rhythm groove or was it his vocals? It was that trumpet line. Like it's just like it's such freaking party. The whole album is the best thing. Every musician, including him who plays half of it, but every musician on that album is if you listen to the entire double album, including the seven-inch bonus album, mm-hmm. in its entirety, and just choose to listen to the bass, yeah, or just James, choose to listen to clavinet, at his finest, or just choose to listen to the hi hats, mm-hmm. every musician is fucking killing it, dude. Like there are bass parts, hi hats, keyboard parts, vocal parts. That just make me have an eargasm every time I've heard them, and I've heard them sixty times, a yeah. hundred and a thousand and sixty yeah. times. Like, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Like that album is a god, and Intervisions is excellent, but Songs in the Key of Life is like next level, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Songs is King. No, life. sorry, Kanye. We got, we got. I love Kanye, but I sorry, zero out of ten. Like, not zero. I'll give him a three out of ten, but. Wow. I just I I love him and I wish he made great albums. Different, Uh, uh, that's too bad. Hmm. Yeah, that album's too easy. But who am I? I'm sitting here. I haven't made an album good for him. He's you've made albums. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Plural, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she's right, listen to Summer about... Soft. I think it's track nine, people. Summer Soft. The ending is amazing. And then go back and listen to Golden Lady, the ending off Intervisions. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because he keeps rising key, key, yeah. key, key. And he goes way out of any human's range and keeps singing. It's incredible. Summer Soft, book. Golden Lady. Talking book. I believe when I fall in love, it'll be forever. Mm-hmm. The end of that, it just gets to the the song and then it fades out. It is incredible. That's a great observation because a song like As or Always off Songs in the Key of Life is also, it may start and you think, oh yeah, I kind of like the song, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then the end is the part that you're like, oh shit. He's the king of the end of the song. And mm-hmm. guys, don't, like I just called to say I love you. Don't worry about that shit. You don't have to download that. Like, that's what I knew. That's what I music knew. of my mind. Inter- yes, it's forget all that schmaltz. Songs in the key of life. Talking vision. Talking book. T- Intervisions. Music of my mind. That's it, really. Mm. That guy's such a special person. Thank God he existed. What's the first set set story or like? 
personal inspiration story of of the people that I'm that I mentioned in your intro. Like, what's the first story of like, yeah, yeah, that really spurred me on to something else. Like, spurred me that, on working with those people. Something, yeah, something that some something that they did or said or. You're talking about working with someone who said something to me advice wise and and gave me inspiration for the on how to behave in the future. Yes. Well, it's funny because <laughs> mm. my first memory is, and I'm simply on a bridge and unedited right now in that mm. Jeremy Renner. I did a movie. We our first movie was Senior Trip. Both of our first movie. Wow. And he's a very yeah. successful person right now, and he's a fucking great guy, and he deserves every Hawkeye man. Yeah. Mm. And he's a rock star now. Mm-hmm. And he deserves everything. The truth about, I mean, I'm not here to tell tales out of school by any means, but he would be the first also to admit that he wants, he is a singer and he's extremely talented. Whoa. Yes. And the whole time I knew him and we were, I can straight up say we we're extremely close. Yeah. I have a million stories about him. I live with him for a week. Wow. I have like a bunch of letters and whatever from him. And he's yeah. a rad dude. And he yeah, was, yeah. but I want to say he wants to be a singer for sure. And he deserves it. And he's talented and he's a fucking great actor. Mm-hmm. And he was making his own short films for fucking 20 years before anyone cared. Yeah. He is legit. He's taking the classes. I love him and he deserves every amount of success he's Beautiful. earned. Do you also feel like sometimes there's no motivation in quotes, but you are an artist and it's you just, just pick up the, the bass and you start of, going? Yeah, yeah. Therapeutic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's uh, it's your fingers, not yourself, or like, uh, or it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, next up is this. You know, like you're just traveling through the checklist of like, you know, what life becomes sometimes. You know, but um, I've written songs out of dreams. You know, like like I wake mm, up and like, I and, want that to happen. And there was but... somebody else singing in my dream, and then I write down whatever I can remember. And you know, and like, like fuck, that's yeah, Paul yeah. McCartney's scrambled eggs yesterday. You know that story, right? Yeah, yeah, scrambled eggs. Yeah, yeah. Tell the people. Uh, scrambled eggs. Uh, yesterday was originally scrambled eggs. Paul McCartney woke up one morning and he was like, "All I want is the scrambled eggs. Will you deliver me those scrambled eggs?" Oh my baby, and then how the producer I love your was legs there. was the next line. Really. Really? Yeah. Nice. And then uh, the producer got a hold of it, and he was like, "No, no, no! Make make that into something else. Make that into something like serious and touching." I mean, I could have and a Beatles podcast that lasts yeah. until infinity, and I would not be done. Mm. I have so much excitement and enthusiasm for them, and yeah. like, Man. I could talk about them for one song. I yeah. could dissect for six months. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that on, on your show. We could do that on the escapismists. <laughs> Honestly, Beatles like, cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so much. Or a stuff song that I still cast. Want to talk one about. song. Like, let's let's like dissect Bohemian Rhapsody. Your interaction, your incredible interaction with Instagram. We haven't talked at all about social media, and like, like you're on it, and you work it in a way that is so positive for yourself. And like, I was happy to step <laughs> away from it. <laughs> I'm at the verge of stepping away from really? it. Really? Yes. Really? I think Facebook is dead next year. 2020 yeah. Facebook's over. Okay. And Instagram is going by the wayside as well. And really? for me, but I have- work it, it seems. I work it like an MF, but I, it has, it, there has been, mo- there have been moments that have paid off mm-hmm. um, as far as like promoting my art or my talents and then it 
becoming a lucrative position, but mm-hmm. they're way too far in between. I really only post up if I'm posting like a guitar solo video. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm excited because I just learned it. It's not like I'm a, a, a guy who's been playing this for 30 years and I want to show off. Like right. I just learned it, so it's fun. But no, it, I mean Instagram has not been as far as employment goes, has not been leaked. It's fun. And I yeah. love looking at people's pictures, but it keeps but. you, it, you know, like it keeps you like engaged with, uh, with people who, who enjoy your work. Like, I don't know, man. I think, it? I don't think so. I, yeah. I hear you, but I think I'm in a different compartment in that. Mm. I did a TV show called big wolf on campus. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You and did. this whole podcast. Gone to. Yeah. I don't know how long this podcast has been by now, but I can guarantee you 99% of the people listening are Big Wolf fans who want... They're like, finally, why is he talking about basketball? About 49 minutes or something. That's crazy. But I think the only thing people care about is Big Wolf on Campus and that character I played, which is me. City Drive. I've heard so much. I've seen so many fans about City Drive now. It's because of Big Wolf. They're like, oh, he's in a band. That's fun. If I were just a guy who started the city drive, nobody would care. Yeah, but that just brings you a bigger platform. I I, I don't think that negates yeah. the the success of the city drive. For me, everything city I, drive city drive songs are incredible. Thank you. Everything I've done in my life that I consider an achievement, I'm realizing now is simply just seed planting in case someone shows interest at some point and says, looks at the resume in the back catalog and says okay, this guy's done some shit. Like, he's good. Let's use him. But as far as, like, paying off today, mm. like, I'm starting at ground zero. Like, Dude, you know? I, honestly, I think that's life. I think that's life. You plant the best seeds you possibly can for, the for you know, like, whatever your, whatever your spirit is that given moment. You know, like, part of the... Part of me starting this podcast is because I knew that I was coming out of something very, very deep in my life. Uh, I went through like like this 20-year fog of, uh, of depression and difficulty. And then I meet my present girlfriend, who's been incredible. And she turns me on to this idea brought to her by Joseph, Joseph Campbell. Do you know Joseph Campbell? Of course. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, myth of a thousand faces. No, no. The hero of a thousand faces. And there's this uh, element in myth where the, the young person goes out, is forced out of the community. It goes into the wilderness and then they go and either meet their fate or they come back and they have survived for two weeks. Yes. <clears throat> I'd never heard this before, but I, when upon meeting her, I thought of my own adolescence and I was, you know, I was, I was kicked out at a certain point. Like after my father died, I was very taciturn. And I was, and I was like, what I see now is like the beginnings of like a, you know, like a deep separation and depression. And, uh, I, you know, I was, I was kicked out of the house. Like I, I was, I was put out and I think about that and like, you know, like there's a lot of difficulty that I was going through. There was a lot of difficulty to go through. And I think of all that now as if that's me as a, you know, as an adolescent being pushed out into the wilderness and then 
it never, well, I was out in the wilderness and it never occurred to me to come back. Mm-hmm. And then I read about this theory of the, you know, like, like the person put out in the wilderness and comes back and comes back like yeah. an achieved adult. Right. And I was just, and I read this and I was like, well, what if I was out in the wilderness for 20 years? I never came back. But, no, but, but like I'm coming back now. You know, like, like, what if I was just out there f- trying to figure things out, trying to figure things out, and then, and then I make the comeback? I couldn't. I, it was an incredibly profound moment for me because, like, I was like, I've learned so much in these twenty years. Yeah. You know, like, like I've been like, like I felt like an outsider. I felt depressed. Like I felt like, uh, like I would never feel okay again, and all of this stuff. And like a lot of times, I don't feel okay. You know, like like you're out and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this social situation. <laughs> I'm just going to, all right, I'm I'm gonna just be good. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just gonna put out the vibe that I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, things do feel good. Okay, good. You know, uh, and like just that I was coming back, you know, like I was coming back and claiming Jason O'Brien for myself Mm -hmm. and I'm able to claim everything in my past and I'm able to move all of that forward, you know? Because those anxious moments where you're like, hey, I'm putting out a good vibe. That's all triggered or... Well, because... mm, yeah, because because of like like a self assuredness, like like that I'm able to step back step back in and like know myself. Do you have any kind of like rejection issues or abandonment issues? Because of you, you be pushed out at a young age. Uh, I would say that 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 stuff kind of contributed. Yeah, or you don't feel included in a tribe or a group. I put myself outside of the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like I needed some time away to, to figure stuff out. Charles Bukowski, run with the hunted. Go, go on. That's, that's the next tattoo I'm getting and you got to read that poem. Really? What's the poem? Yeah. Yeah. I I think like the late, all this, well, Tom Waits is irrevocably tied to Charles Bukowski, I think. Well, I feel like they may be the same characters, and I fell into Bukowski, but I never got in entranced by the Tom Waits thing. But I feel like they may be the same character. Hmm. That's interesting, yeah. Hmm. Is it my doom? Yes, okay. I've got it if you want me to read it right now. All right. All right, when you're ready. I mean, I grew up loving Bukowski. I read a bunch of his books, Hot Water Music, Love is a Dog from Hell, etc. But one poem I always think of is Run... Well, I think it's called My Doom. And I've always wanted the tattoo Run with the Hunted. And the poem was... Um, It's just a poem, but it was collected in a book called Run with the Hunted. <coughs> and it's called My Doom Smiles at Me. And it goes a little something like this. There's no other way. Eight or ten poems a night. In the sink, behind me, are dishes that haven't been washed in two weeks. The sheets need changing, and the bed is unmade. Half the lights are burned out here. It gets darker and darker. 
I have replacement bulbs, but can't get them out of the cardboard wrapper. Despite my dirty shorts in the bathtub and the rest of my dirty laundry on the bedroom floor, they haven't come for me yet. With their badges and their rules and their numb ears. Oh, them and their caprice. Like the fox, I run with the hunted. And if I'm not the happiest man on earth, I'm surely the luckiest man alive. That's an artist. Damn. Yeah. That's an artist. Yeah. I'm crazy. I got dirty dishes in the sink. I'm fighting with my girlfriend. I'm doing drugs. I'm drinking alcohol. I'm making poems. I'm creating shit. Yeah. I'm not someone who works on Bay Street doing finance. Yeah. I'm a crazy fucking person. They should catch me by now, but they haven't. So yeah. I'm living the fucking dream. Yeah. That's what that poem means. Nice. My God. Love it. All right. I would like to end on something that I saw recently on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can cut this if you want, but series of rapid fire questions. You, you've already answered these questions, but I I would love it if you gave like a bit more, a bit more of an answer if you wish. I love rapid fire. What was the funnest part of playing the character Merton on Big Wolf? Sitting in the staircase with Peter Knight, creator of the show, every single night. He lived on the 11th floor. I lived on the 10th floor. We met in the staircase of our con- of our condos, and we played acoustic guitar, and we wrote what I would say the next day. That's what people don't understand. Not people don't understand. But I would kind of wish people knew that every fucking word I said on that show, I made up with Peter. Yes, there are tons of writers, Matt Salzberg, Barry Julian, Rick Nyholm, people who deserve credit who are fucking geniuses and amazing. But essentially every night, Peter Knight and I would punch up jokes and infuse secret things like obs- obscure Beezer, Weezer, Weezer, <laughs> Weezer B-side song titles into episodes. Like there was... There were tons of secret inside jokes in that show mm-hmm. that I got to infuse with Peter, and, and he's my best friend. And meeting him and Brandon was the best thing of my life. Wow. That's a long answer for a short rapid fire. Love it. I'll be more rapid fire. Do you enjoy the holidays? No, I don't. Really? Unless I have a girlfriend. Yeah, if I'm single, it's the worst time on earth. Why? Because I'm very romantic, and I'm very sentimental, and I'm very into that kind of shit if I have a girl and if I don't I don't feel like I'm even alive unless I'm on camera or have a girlfriend wow swear to god wow what yeah. about, uh, no that's not entirely swear to god I'm, I'm on pause until when I'm you, on camera or have a girlfriend when you're creating when you're creating art that's pause in between it's respite from my scared feelings in and between being on camera music it's respite. That's therapy. Like I said, it's meditation. It's therapy. So you feel like like you're like like in, completely interactive when you're in a relationship, when you're able to be like your true self with like an honest situation yeah. with with another person, or on camera, or on camera when yeah. you're delivering that. As so when you sad recorded, as it sounds, I swear to God, I feel like I'm a dead person unless I'm in a relationship with a woman or on camera, and they hit wow. act and say action. And when they say cut, I'm dead again. But that's not true, though. Yeah. Because I've jammed with you, and you like I feel that a lot. That's respite. That's like, 
a band-aid over my real feelings. Isn't that, but like our interaction, I, I, I don't feel like, like we're interruptive at all of each other. You know? Me like too. I, I feel like I'm, I'm as real a person as I can be with another human being, you know, like outside of like a realm of intimacy that I, I believe you can only have with, with, you know, like one person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there are real moments in life that feel good where I feel genuine and genuinely happy, and that's yeah, great. Yeah, But I really There's don't feel like... There's moments of discovery where like, it's just, like, it just happens. Oh, yeah. And we're the only two people who understand where this thing went. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Those are magical moments. Those are my favorite moments. Like, I've always said my favorite thing to do is to be in the studio recording layers of tracks on a song. Like more than sex, more than making out. I want to be in a studio, mm. hearing the drums, then the bass, yeah. and finding the keyboard. Like that's my favorite thing on earth, you know. Mm. So I'm real then, and when we're making music, I guess it's respite, mm. and I'm real. But like, the second we make stop making music, like I might be tortured and and depressed and whatever again, you know. So you feel like your true self is revealed by the person you're with. Yeah. Wow. Or if I get to be on camera. Yeah. Like the funny mm. thing is when I play characters, that's the like kind of when I'm for sure when I'm happiest. Yeah. Otherwise I'm pretty depressed. But, oh man. There's, I'm only happy when they say action or a girl says you're cute. And I think she is too. That's the only time I'm happy. I swear to God that there are points in so many of your pieces of art that just scream like like aliveness and beauty and but all of it all of it mm-hmm. here's the here's the only nugget anyone needs to take from anything i ever say for the rest of my life yeah or anything i've ever said in the past yeah if you listen to this one sentence this is everything that means anything to me and that's this all right everything i do in my life every choice yeah Everything I wear, everything I say on camera, everything I do is to fall in love with my life partner. That's it. Period. Every painting I make is to impress a woman. Every acting scene I do is like maybe a woman thinks that's cool. Yes, it's in my body to express myself. I was born that way. I am an artist. But nobody has ever realized it as being a special talent and fallen in love with it. And I keep expecting someone to do that to be like, fuck, you're pretty talented and you're a cool, fun guy. Like, yeah, I wouldn't mind hanging out with you forever, but nobody's been showing interest in that. So I, it's my pursuit Uh, in life. The only reason I'm alive is to pursue that. That's it. Yeah. Having heard that, I absolutely believe that you need to get off Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Why do you say that? Um, I met my girlfriend at a time in my life where I was able to, you know, like really give back to a person. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> li- life is hard. Yeah. Right? Life is hard, difficult, uh, decisions, uh, and, uh, things that you don't know how they're going to play out. Yeah. Or you don't know where you're where you're even coming from, you know? And, and like, relationships are two people, right? So Yeah, they are. Yeah, they it's are. the other person has other thoughts you don't expect and you think things are going swimmingly yeah. swimmingly, but they're like mm-hmm. see you later. But 
I met her doing a show. Uh, there was an improvised show every night on online dating. Right. And I remember that. And the play that. was called Date Me. And neither one of the two improvising actors had ever been on an online date. And the actress, the lead actress in it, Lisa Merchant. Um, Lisa Merchant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lisa like Mer- the Lisa Merchant, like of Second City and yeah. uh, uh, Train 48 and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, her roommate uh, was around and needed to be a stage manager at one, at one point. And so she came out and was a stage manager on this thing. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I really need to talk to this woman. <coughs> yep. And then we go on like a couple of like absolute strange they weren't strange they weren't strange uh, <laughs> okay no they weren't strange but like we were both feeling that like just like deadness not ready not ready to reach out but we both enjoyed each other's company i was like 11 months out of of, of like a major breakup yeah i know and i was going through all of these life changes and i was going through things of like okay what was I just attracted to? What are they, what patterns did I just fall into? Mm. And what can I change to make myself a better, mm. make myself better in that situation? And the first thing that I came up with, and you know, like what you're saying, like it takes two. And I was like, a whole bunch of things went wrong in that situation. What can I work on? Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was just, yeah, I was just thought communication. I can be a better communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went out the first time and I was just like, listen, I'm like not ready. I'm like a freaking like post-it note onto a <laughs> damp surface. Like it's not going <laughs> to stick, you know, like, like it was just like, yeah. oh man, no, no, I can't. I really yeah. like meeting you and I like talking to you, but you know. No, and then the second, and then like the but one year the anniversary way, of my breakup comes comes by, and I'm like, listen, you know, like I'm just like, I just need a day or two. Like we've been t- we've been talking kind of regular and whatnot, and she's like, oh, yeah, I've been there, you know, and like, and I was like, oh shit. And then mm. we go out again, and then we go out again. It's nice when they've been there too. And then she just disappears. <laughs> Ghost. She goes, but in that time she went back home. Yeah, she went back home for three weeks. Didn't tell me. Yeah. And I mean, in retrospect, she came back. I had started seeing somebody else (laughs) briefly, and then she came back and she was like, "Hey, you know, I realized like I went away and I realized I missed talking to you." (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) <coughs> so she went to england for Sorry, three uh, weeks yeah uh, and you're like okay back. this is i'm gonna move on i guess get another girl mm. or just get put myself back out there and then she came back she came back and she said yeah i realized that i really miss talking to you and you know i wanted to that's the dream because whenever someone gives you space well, she didn't you think they're never going to come back? She just you know? like ghosted, you know, like she just left for. Or uh, whenever someone ghosted, yeah, you know, they they never come mm-hmm. back. It's amazing. And then I didn't know what to do because, like, the, this person, the person that I met on Bumble, uh, and she was 
you know, like, <laughs> like I went through my my own situation with uh, online dating, yeah. and uh, I, I met her on Bumble, and she was really wonderful. You know, like uh, she was great, and she called me, and she was like, "What are you doing?" Because like you know, like this was happening, and I was just like, "There's." There's what do you mean? What are you doing? This is hap- What's happening? Oh no, no. Uh, she she approached me, and she's some she woman said, on Bumble approached you. Uh, no, no, no. We'd been out like two, three times. Okay, and it was really nice. And at one point, she thought I was going in to kiss her, and then <laughs> I, but then like I wasn't oh going God, in to dude. kiss her, and then she was like, "Was that?" And I was like. No, no, it wasn't. But maybe it might just have been. Just do but it. it. Wasn't. What do you mean it wasn't? Just fucking do it. No, 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 no. Like it wasn't the right moment. Like I was like, would this be? <laughs> you know, when like like you go in, you're like, would this be the moment? Would this be? The... No, this isn't the moment. No, you, you know, know it. And like, yeah, you direct yeah. it that way. Yeah, and you and you're like, okay, no, no, no. There may have been, but it didn't happen. You know, so like like it didn't happen. Yeah, and then. Um, <laughs> But like we were both on on the same side for that, you know, like like we were both like yeah yeah it didn't happen it could yeah. happen but it didn't happen. But then like things you know like things. My girlfriend like she made the decision with her heart as to which way she wanted to go, you know, and things with her changed, you know, like she just started helping out. You know, like like uh, like I would have her over at my place and like like I would make dinner and then she would just like you know like help out with the yeah. dishes or like help you know like just like start like pitching in and stuff and i was like oh shit like there's just a person who realizes like there's just like you know work that needs to happen you know yeah and so like you know like, um yeah like i would make dinner and then like she would help with the dishes and stuff and like, <laughs> just do all these really sweet things these thoughtful things you know and um um yeah, yeah no, it's been I, I i can't tell you you know like it's been it's been wonderful and then to have her bring that joseph campbell idea to mm-hmm. me of like this is what it's like to step back from the wilderness and like declare yourself in society you know like i was like okay this is the person that i am this is the person who's um been a server and bartender for about 20 years i've been a bass player for 15 years done theater and you know like i've lived my life i've made mistakes and i've made like very very good choices you know and Mm -hmm. like i've connected with some with some people that like you know like it just makes the journey wonderful and like absolutely worth all the sacrifice to come you know to be coming out of the water on this end and and just be like uh yeah yeah do you feel like you've come back from the wilderness and you're Mm. i mean of course everybody's ever evolving but do you Mm. feel like you've come back from the wilderness and you've claimed some sort of stake as to who you are and yeah a strength and confidence and things like that and of course yeah. we're gonna go back into the weeds again but, but that's why i'm able to do this that's why i'm yeah. able to like you know perform in like a weird different hat of being a fundraiser with splinter group you know and having that whole thing happen like that that was an amazing night 
It yeah. was a really wonderful night. It was fun, dude. Uh, there were so many different aspects to that night. It, uh, it was yeah. successful. I shook hands with so many strangers who really want to see this kind of thing happen. Yes. You know, like as well as like just a supportive group of, uh, of people like who, you know, like who believe in me and believe in the con or believe in us and the project and, and the concept. And the c yeah. Yeah. Like, was it, you feel successful? Do you feel like you're moving steps forward since mm -hmm. that fundraiser? Mm -hmm. How so? Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I got together with the director and we were like, okay, so, um, um, next stage theater festival or riser 2021. That's the, that's the aim. So there's. Grass. Do you want to tell people what you're talking about first? Oh of all? yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I've talked about this in uh, the first season. Yes. With Ted about uh, this project Voicek that we wanted to get off the ground. It's a. It is a play. It is a musical. <laughs> but it's an adaptation. Like it's a. It was a play that was turned into an opera, and then it was performed as a play, and then Tom Waits and Kathleen Brennan, his wife, and Robert Wilson, who was the theater creator, uh, all got together to conceive of this musical called Wojciech, which is a play uh, about a man who has some form or forms of mental illness, and uh, his wife, uh, sleeps with another man and then he kills her. And to me, right now in 2019, uh, with the incel van driver that happened uh, two years ago in Toronto, I feel like if we can reach a few more people, Wojciech is a, is a tragic story about a person who never comes to understand the world in the way that other people do or can. Uh, he suffers from PTSD as well as anxiety and poverty, and he travels from one thing to the next and is never able to enjoy the life that, that he set up for himself. And so in the play, his wife sleeps with sleeps with another man in the military. The way that he deals with it is to murder this woman. And the concept that I'm looking at is a way of looking at that entire body of behavior and seeing where we can be kinder to one another. Mm -hmm. um, and seeing where the disconnects happen between being treated as a specimen or an animal and being treated as a human being on all sides of it. You know, um, it's a play about lack of empathy as mm -hmm. well as being a play. It's considered to be the first play in, we in Western culture to, for three reasons. It's seen as the, as the birthplace of modern theater, the modern theater, like dealing with psychological what this it, particular Wojciech project Vo Wojciech. is the Vo beginning of modern the, theater. The play Wojciech was written in the, uh, in the 1830s and it was written by a doctor and he was the first one to deal huh. with mental illness as like, as a characteristic of the main character. It was also the first play mm. to have the main character not be a rich man. 
like a king yeah. or a royal of some and sort. And thirdly, like, or really? not, not no thirdly, but way. also it's the first play to deal with mental illness as an illness and not like, like you know, like an embarrassing crazy, affliction, a crazy insane person. Insane asylum kind right. of thing. Like it's like, um, well, I mean, I don't know about, yes, mm. I, that's, I will look into that. That's cool for sure. Mm. I mean, as far as a rich person, I mean, it could, I mean, Maybe that could, I mean, like Shakespeare was writing about poor people, like Romeo and Juliet. Well, I guess they were rich too. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, yeah, there's all kinds of. But the first like mentally ill person in a lead character, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's very topical today because that conversation is very. Yeah. Do you think. Like disempowerment. What kind of of percentage do you think Mm -hmm. of people currently do you think have some form of mental illness 100 percent. do i think yeah like everybody right well studies show that it's like like somewhere between 25 and 40 i think which is a times huge four I okay do, can but we don't take you think somebody has yeah don't you think everybody has some level of depression or anxiety for sure dude yeah well i mean at least 90 percent yeah uh 19.1 percent of u.s adults experienced mental illness in 2018 i think that's less than 20 percent no way dude Mm -hmm. i know so many people it's it's i think it's way higher and either people are lying on their tests or they don't realize it you know, like, like I just recently found out that I'm gluten intolerant in the last two years, and hmm. the difference in my life, I like, I just thought like I was kind of a farty person when I was a kid, <laughs> uh, you know, and like, like up into my thirties, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes I fart, so you know, everybody like, farts, everybody poops. There's no, a book about like, that. Yeah, my parents. Farts were beyond normal farts. What do you mean, normal. like stinky? It was really stinky. What is that? Barium? Than most stinkiness. I think it was. Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it's barium. From my own experience, it's it's uh, lactose intolerance. But do you know why farts stink? What? Do you know why would they smell so bad to us? So. No. Because they include, and forgive me, I think it might be barium, but I might be wrong. Okay. Um, there is an element, it may be barium, I might be wrong, mm-hmm. that let's say an ocean stops its tide. Let's say somehow the ocean just stops. Yeah. At the bottom of the ocean, barium will develop mm-hmm. and create, the bacteria will create barium mm-hmm. or whatever the element is. Forgive me because I'm off right now and I can't remember. Mm. But if Aww. we smell that, we die. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if we smell gas from an oven, it's much fainter, right? Like, we're not going to die unless we... Could, or Gas there, from an oven, they scent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, like natural gas doesn't have a smell. Right. They, they put a scent into natural gas to warn us of danger. But, like, yeah, it doesn't actually have a scent. Sorry, go on. That's exactly correct. So mm. even things like... We don't smell carbon. We don't smell smell nitrogen. We don't smell oxygen. Yeah. H8 or um, oxygen. We don't smell. We just breathe it. But there are gases and, you know, Mm. whatever, like, yeah, different particles in the air that we're inhaling, but we don't smell them because we need to breathe to live. Mm -hmm. Whereas there is an element 
and it may be barium, but I may be wrong. In farts, mm. the bacteria that creates farts that releases them has an element that in mass quantities, if we huffed canisters of this shit, we would die. We in 10 minutes. Dude, in 10 farts? minutes. I swear to God, this is true. In 10 minutes. 10 minutes worth of sustained farts? I believe that. Oh my God. But like ocean level, like ocean currents have stopped. You're the tides. drowning in farts. But that is true. And that's why farts stink. I swear. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I watch lectures. Do you know I watch lectures all night? That's what oh my I do. God. You're drowning in farts. That's why farts stink is because it's a, it's a thing saying, hey, man, don't. Sm-. That's why we block our nose because instinctively we know we're not. It could kill us. Yeah. But not at that level. But that's why they. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Holy shit. From Wojciech to farts. How did that happen? You know what we're getting back to right now? We're getting back to the rabbit fire. <laughs> the what? I'm so, okay. I'm sorry right now because like rapid fire. Danny, yeah. Danny and I have had a few, so this could be a good rapid fire because it was already a good rapid. I fire. slowed them. I answered too long. I'll make it rapid fire means quick, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you and Brandon see each other a lot? Brandon and I see each other once a year. We speak every month for sure, if not every few weeks. I love him like a brother. He's my best friend. Him and Peter Knight are my best friends. Peter Knight's a creator, writer of the show. I love them both more than anybody. Nobody makes them laugh more than they do. The second Brandon walks into a room, I fucking laugh. I, nobody makes me laugh on earth more than Brandon Quinn in my whole life. The second I see him, I love him. He's my brother. We talk We talk five se- like probably eight hours ago we spoke, mm. and we love each other, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Your art is amazing. I miss the city <laughs> drive. What's your favorite coffee order? <laughs> are you Instagramming me? What? These are all your questions that came up this weekend on questions from Instagram. I couldn't believe how many Russian people. You have that no was, idea. That was crazy. What is with the Russians? I, I don't I know. I deleted all the Russian questions because I was like, this is just some weird thing that I, I don't, don't really want to ask you about, but I kind of do. I got, of course, I got a million bill, bill questions and Russian questions. Why I didn't add all of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just got a SoCan thing uh, today. So saying, did I. Saying that I, I I had like some kind of revenue from me New too. Zealand and Australia. I can show you right now. Dude. It's fucking weird. I want to prove to you that this is real. I know we're off topic and mm. we'll jump back on it. But look, look, at my, look at my thing right now. Today, SoCan. You see that? Yeah. Direct deposit. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Anyways. Okay, next question. Can you say ergo like Merton always did? <laughs> I miss hearing it. As a person, I want to say, as a person who's never seen this show, I want... Have you, you never to, seen I've it? I've never heard of it. I didn't... Okay. I like that. My girlfriend has heard of it. So I'm, she knew of it growing up in England. It, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so weird to yeah, me. Yeah, she met you and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but we, have, we haven't talked about that, I don't think. No. I hope she thinks it was a good experience because I thought it was fucking amazing. What? Meeting her. Oh, man, yeah. Did she say good things? I hope so. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I swear to God, I hope the, so. It was funny because like, like she met all, like, all the people that I've been talking to, uh, that I've been talking about to yeah. her for so long. Yeah. You know, and like, uh, and like she was like, oh, quite 
so nice. Like, like you talked about them, but like to meet them, they're just so mm. nice. You know how Quebec has Cégep? <laughs> like these, these uh, it's kind of like you finish high school early and it's kind of like this transition period between high OAC school and carbage, co- uh, college. Yeah. We had, o- I had OAC. I don't know if you were still. I had OAC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like, it's just two years in between. So over there, they call it something else. And she went to dance school full on after that. And then after that, like her college was dance and dance school. Like, you know, like she went cool, to man. like a major London dan- uh, dance. I dated company. a dancer once. I wish it worked out. Oh, man. She's incredible. I, like the things that, that she's able to do. She is like five foot three. And if she had the jump, she'd be able to like just kick out freaking like, things off the ceiling. Like, yeah. like she's like just be able to go whoop, whoop. Like right up, and you and I are not physical acrobats. So when we see that, we feel respect, eh? No, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, Like when I see a woman who's a great dancer or a Mm. gymnast, I'm like, I am totally enamored by that because I can't do that. Yeah, and it's a creative art. You're just like, it's magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I. Do you know the circumstances under how I met her? At the at the fundraiser at the fundraiser yeah yeah and i thought she was a random person yeah <clears throat> actually i don't remember how we met but i don't remember but no oh, she told me yeah she told me she but i remember the, the story, ending yeah. and actually i want to hear the ending because i left before it ended a few more questions from instagram getting the okay. favorite place in montreal you put Ooh. an image you put an image and it said here winky face of a cup of coffee and some ferns or like some small potted plants in the window. <laughs> that's what that's all I can make out on like a wood counter co- like it looks like a cafe. Okay. It looks like a cafe. Or home. Or like a, like a, an apartment. Yes. Yeah. Where was it? Favorite it was place a, in Montreal. It was a, a basement apartment. Um it's a tough one because it's pretty topical right now because uh, it, that which area of Montreal? I know Montreal a little bit. I lived there for almost two years. Like east, like not downtown, but east. Oh, okay. okay. I think this person is so secretive and mm-hmm. and um, unreliable that I don't know exactly. No, but it was. Uh, Let's just say it was a very, very, it was the most special place in Montreal to me possible. And mm. now it's, I hope I never go back there. Hmm. It was just a moment in time. Yeah, I was. A fulcrum point, like. I was uh, duped. Yeah, hmm. I thought it was going to be a place I visited many times. And now I'm never going back, probably. And that, that's a shock to me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is your favorite horror movie? The Shining. Why? Jack Nicholson's performance is one of my favorite performances of all time. My whole life, I think that What's movie. What's the woman's name? What's the his, his wife's name? Shelley Duvall, who Shelley plays the character Duvall. Wendy. Oh my God. Wendy, Wendy, you're not listening to me. I'm not. I can do that film every 
Mm. Like word for word for sure. I'm one. Mm. That's my movie that I can do word for word. Yeah. And I just saw it recently with someone who lives in that place, my mm. favorite place, Montreal. Mm. And I saw it with her in the theater recently mm-hmm. for the millionth time in an HD version. The Shining for sure, hands down, is my favorite horror movie. Mm. I could talk about that for 25 hours to why it's so layered and deep and it's not a horror movie to me it's a comedy like that's a podcast episode man for sure like nicholson's performance is comedic and amazing and i love it Mm -hmm. and kubrick infused so many apollo 11 moon landing Mm. secret things in that movie have you've you've heard what Kubrick? that's another podcast too the moon landing you've heard what kubrick said about nicholson to nicholson about like the performance that he was giving what uh he said this is Nicholson telling his story about what I might Kubrick know told it. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of one. Okay. He said, <laughs> you know, realism has been Exactly, done. dude. All right, you tell it. You tell it. No, go, go, no, go, 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 go. No, go. just realism has been done. I want to see something else. Yep. What do you know? That That's all that I know. Verbatim, that's what I know, too. And... Mm. You know, Stephen King wrote a book called The Shining. Mm. Fantastic. He's he's very prolif- prolific and has done wonderful things. Mm. If you look at the... Kubrick was like, fuck you to Stephen King. I'm changing it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the... Um, a scene in the middle when the uh, Scatman Crothers, what's his name, goes back to... Oh, shit, they're in trouble. I got to go back and save them. Um, he drives by in the wintry road a yellow Volkswagen that has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's just a cutaway for one second. Yeah. And in Stephen King's book, they drive a yellow Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they don't. He's saying, Kubrick is saying, this is my version. I'm crushing your old version. And there is a wow. ton of things like that in the movie. Wow. And there's a ton of Apollo 13 because Kubrick filmed the moon landing. Right. And right. all the, like, the kids wearing an Apollo 13, Apollo 11, sorry. Yeah. sweater and the, the carpet is a moon landing pattern and whatever and mm-hmm. yeah i'm obsessed with that movie for sure 237 Dude. like yeah yeah all right i want to do that episode with you for sure Fuck, i'm such a cute we have 20 epi- different episodes we could do mm. music movies relationships humanity civilizations yeah. Yeah, man. egypt Aliens. You still a Do flat you critter? <laughs> you don't even know what that means, Jason O'Brien. You never saw that movie. What the fuck are you talking about? Maybe I did. Does it, you ever see Mad Men? No. <laughs> oh, okay. wait. Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. This guy is, has not done his research, guys. What? Um, I did Mad Men. I, I did all of Mad Men. Mad Men's amazing. I have a great story. I'm going to tell you off camera about this movie. For real, you're going to laugh. We need to we need to create an off camera segment. There's nudity like involved. A premium, or like oral audio nudity. Like they pay for extra to access mm. the. What does I will flat say, critter mean? I will say that some. <laughs> so there's a mo- a movie I did called All I Want to Do. When we shot it, it was called The Hairy Bird. Then it was called Strike. It, at the end of time, it was called All I Want to Do. Mm. I have a million stories from that. I wish to God I yeah, could tell on this podcast because they're good, dude. Yeah. yeah. Every, my whole life, like, mm. you guys, can I just say one thing before this ends? Mm. Is you guys don't even know me. You don't even know me. I'm, like, I have two I stories. Know, yeah. My, you don't even know me. 
I know. You know I half. Mean, yeah, I think I know more than. And half, maybe I don't know about you but, too. Yeah, we're probably yeah. equal, but we're all, everyone's bad. Everyone's Ab- good. Absolutely, yeah. But um, I wish I could tell some stories from that movie because they're, they're they're hilarious and amazing and and amazing. But nice. yeah. Anyways, j'admire énormément. Je t'admire énormément depuis mes dix ans et vive Merton J. Dingo. Okay, so, I guess that's not really a question. Do you speak French? Well, that well, apparently, yeah. 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 Do you speak do you French? Underst- how much French do you understand, seriously? A good amount, yeah. A good amount. No, like, Could you go like, to France and speak no problem? I I've never been to France. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've spoken in Quebec City, I've spoken in Montreal, and, you know, sometimes people answer me in English, sometimes not, but... Are you better at hearing or reading French? Reading, I guess. I think it's, to me, existing with a French French language is, um, like getting to the point with French where you think in French and you respond yeah, in French. Yeah, and you French. can joke in that language. Yeah, yeah. Like it's... Uh, I dated a Japanese mm, girl and she mm, said... And I learned a lot, yeah, yeah. like a hundred words for sure. Yeah. Um, And she said, once you can joke in another language, you got it. You know, Or once you understand jokes in another language, you got it. I remember her. She was... She was angry with me because I was for LeBron. You were anti-LeBron. My girl? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, which one, man? I've dated every chick in the city. I swear to God, there's no one left in Toronto. I've dated every girl in Toronto who's single. Oh, my God. I got to move on to Alberta. What is your favorite food? Mexican. Bullshit. What about Mexican? (laughs) I I could eat sushi every day. I could eat sushi every sushi few is not days. Mexican food. <laughs> I could eat sushi. Every, I just see it in the corner over there. I could eat sushi every few days, but for sure Mexican, I could Your eat every day. The first example of Mexican food was sushi. Well, because it's present in my eyeline. Um, ici. Ici. Oh, ici, ici. Yes, Me, yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure, like Italian's the best, but I can't eat it because they'll get fat. Um, mm. I love Mexican the best. They have seven ideas and they're all Corn the same ingredients. Yeah, yeah. But shaped different ways. Mm-hmm. And it goes together different ways and it's cooked different ways. And Give like me black beans, cheese, ground beef, chicken. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. What's your favorite food? Depends on, I mean, I enjoy all different foods. You know, like I view vegan as a type of ethnic food in so far as like it's something that I like to try and it's something that I really, really enjoy. But it's not necessarily the only thing that I would like to enjoy. Come on. Vegan's not your vegan is not your favorite food. No, 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 it's not. But like neither is Ethiopian, but Ethiopian is amazing. But why are you starting with your least favorite that make the scale of good they're not least favorite but why not start at the top of like fuck dude i love a double cheese pizza it's different it's different okay steak oh filet mignon with like scallops and shrimp and asparagus i'm that's right up there dude. versus christmas turkey 
with all the fixings. Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> <laughs> that is a special that's what thing I'm talking in my brain. About. Like I always feel yeah. like yeah, Christmas is good. Or Thanksgiving Versus. for that matter, but Versus the best sushi you've had in your life. I actually there's think sushi. sushi li- and there's sushi. Like, Me too. I lived in LA for years, not to be that oh, guy, yeah, but I lived on the no, coast. Yeah, yeah. Freaking Pacific Coast for sure. Oh my God. For sure. Cat- Shout out to Katsu. Yeah. Mm. Katsuya. Mm-hmm. Google that shit. Hollywood and Vine, right oh. where our rehearsal space was. Katsuya. Anytime, Jason, you go to LA, you take your girlfriend. Or young love interest to that place, ten out of ten. Best sushi, a hundred times better than, a billion times better than anything you've ever had, hands down, guaranteed. Totally different, totally different. For young love interest, dude. My life, I'm 46. All I have is young love, love young interest. I want a fucking wife. It's so hard. And your heart is so beautiful. Merci. I think I'm a pretty good Jenny dude. Smith Basically, here's a dude like. Swear to God. Yeah, man. whatever. I'm not gonna go there. How come you have so many fans from Russia? That I don't know. I, I'm. Do you have a guess though? Well, I know that I do get checks. I did the theme song for Big Wolf on Campus, mm-hmm. and I do get checks for that. I don't know quarterly. Mm. And it does say which countries it plays in. Mm. And sometimes it'll say like Mongolia, like out of nowhere. Like, and now I know it's playing there. And then on Facebook, I get like a million Mongolian face or not a million, but like five Mongolian Mm. face requests. requests. So maybe it's, I don't know. I don't Mm. know. Wow. Maybe it's new in Russia. I don't know. But I did date a girl from Russia. Yeah. So maybe word spread, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry to leave you hanging there. I was in my mm. own reverie. What is one of your favorite roles? Um, I mean, obviously, Merton is Big Wolf on campus. Essentially, he's like the... For me personally, in my own shell of a human body is... What's your favorite band? Okay, the Beatles are next level. Then I like Zeppelin, Van Halen, whatever. And for me, for me personally, in my own shell, Big Wolf's the greatest thing I ever did in my life, and I guess that's the only reason I lived. Mm. And but after that, mm. I but for me, I do like um, the big hit with Mark Wahlberg because that was an amazing experience. Yeah. And like, there's so many stories like. Yeah, yeah. One I can't tell you on here, I'll tell you later for sure. <laughs> yeah. But we partied a little bit. Like, I remember I was <clears throat> walking. I mean, you know what? I'm going to say this girl's name because I don't give a shit. It was 20 oh, years man. ago. No, 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 no. Just change the name. Okay. Her name was, um, what's her name? Martha. Martha? Yeah. Martha, my dear, the what? Um,. I was walking down the street with Martha and after I did the movie with Mark Wahlberg, he was back in town, I guess, and cruised. It was Young Street, swear to God. And I was walking Mm. with this girl that I was very interested in Mm -hmm. pursuing a relationship with. And it never blossomed. We had amazing moments. And he drove by in a car full of guys and they're like, you're a nanny boy. Yeah. And we looked over and she saw Mark Wahlberg doing that and was like, what the? 
because the movie hadn't come out. And I know. So yeah. that was a cool moment. Yeah. And then when he came back for the premiere, like he oh. grabbed me, we sat together, we talked about, I was like, fuck, you should be nominated for an Oscar for Boogie Nights. Mm. Because when we shot the big hit, Boogie Nights was not, he said, during the big hit, he said, oh man, when I shot Boogie Nights, like, it was a little embarrassing. I'm wearing goofy wigs, goofy 70 clothing. Yeah, yeah. Is this going to be good or is this going to be embarrassing? Yeah. And I was like, dude, you're going to be nominated for a fucking Oscar. You're amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. It was it's quite a cool to be part of his trajectory, trajectory for yeah, 0.5 seconds mm-hmm. in that certain time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he was super nice. And his boys came back to Toronto. They're like, yo, yeah. let's party. Like, I party with his boys. Nice. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Like a year later, they're like, yeah. But I got a really good story to tell you off camera. <laughs> We're going to make a premium uh, Can't podcast. Can we just tell this apparently. shit? Dude, it's your story. I mean. But it's other people's story and yeah, I don't want to incriminate them. Then, yeah, yeah. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. It's better left, you know. It's better left, yeah. If you start, do you have any what band name ideas for yourself? Basketball Diaries. It's good, dude. I Google it. If no one has it, let's take it. Basketball Diaries. That's a sick name for the that segment of your podcast. Okay. Whenever it comes up, whenever it comes up, you know, like like <laughs> just do a like a segment of jam. Like we do this, we do. We do the song like the bits that we worked on, this uh, the songs that we worked on, just like you know, like <laughs> yeah. just press go and go, yes. you know. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that we would make amazing content. I really do. Like, remember before when I said if you were a multimillionaire, you'd still mm. kind of be the same guy. Like, if you were if you had 25 million, sure, you'd buy some property, yeah. You'd invest in some property and rent mm. it out and make some money. Mm. But in your dated, in your heart, mm. wouldn't you still want, like, as you're doing that on the side, mm. but day to day, wouldn't you still want to, like, yeah, but let's go to the studio and jam? Well, like, isn't that what you just want to do? the most important things of your freaking experience, you know? Like, those little nuances in music and those little nuances But what in is art that? that? Can we analyze? It? What is that feeling that makes us feel almost more than love, right? It's like, you're like, I need that. It, it's the immediacy of music. Like I've like I've been in rooms where like you're just like it's just everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh you're just filling the room with some kind of excitement. Like um shout out for Action Can uh yeah, Action Can Films. Shout out for Action Bronson for me. Action Can Films, uh, they put us in a situation where it was me and another uh, sound designer composer for theater and TV and film. Uh, we went up on stage together. They gave us the opportunity to play together. He, we both played pads for each other. And like we just created like an hour and 15 minutes worth of music. Like just like You're both playing pads, essentially? Just like four chords, filler, like filling up the... Not, I mean, yes, but like come at it from like an organic thing, you know? Like, Would you like take turns soloing, kind of? Taking a lead, taking a melody, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't call it soloing, but like it was just this constant <laughs> yeah. thing for like an hour and 15 minutes. It was so good. 
Yeah. Like it was just, you know, like people were transformed by it, you know, like it was just music that was just fixed at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. In a trance. We'd written a bunch of charts and like, and like, we were like, okay, let's just do this. Do you remember how this goes? No, but we could do this and then this and then that. Let's see where we land using those elements. Yeah. And then, um, you know, like, like one of the things we called, um, cowboy chunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how would you play cowboy chunk on a, uh, an acoustic guitar? Yeah. So two chords the whole way through, and then there was, there was another thing that we called uh, Kubrick yacht. Ooh, I, like I went that. to like outer space, the two thousand one Kubrick. Oh with, yeah, like, long shots. And he went to like like just this freaking like freaking like crazy boogie town Bond thing. You know, like just like extremely long yacht. What's Boogie Town Bond? Oh no, no, like like Boogie Town freaking uh, size yacht, Bond size looking yacht. Oh like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, James huge Bond. Huge fucking lo- okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like like it's either like a freaking like it's like a uh, rap video or yeah. it's James Bond. You know? Right. Yeah, and. Um, <clears throat> Oh, magic. Yeah, so, yeah. Magic. Yeah. It's another dimension of music, eh? When you're jamming with someone, Dude, you connect on that level. Really, like, people really listening, have you felt love even for a minute? Yes, maybe, right? If you're lucky enough. Mm. And you know how that feels like? It's totally different than any other experience in life. Yeah. It's not like solving a math problem or making a sandwich. Love <laughs> is a different feeling. And music... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta repeat that. Sorry, you it's got not it. You like, got it right. Sorry, it's not. I don't like, even remember because I'm riffing. I mean, it's not like math or or you know making a sandwich or making a sandwich. Love Ooh. is a different, intangible experience, and people who are not musical, yeah, musicians feel a another dimension of that same kind of feeling. Yeah, when they jam with someone who they click with. Yeah, and that's what he's talking about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's magical when you go to that note and I go to that note and then we both change like mm-hmm. it's like it's it's romantic. Yeah, it's poetic. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. What band would you wish if you could be in any band, what would it be? Your last two citizens. <laughs> and I did it. Great answer. I and did you it. fucking and did it. And the fucking end. I fucking did it. It was awesome. Is it end to end? Question mark? Yeah, sure. Or is I there mean, an ellipsis? There was talk this past summer of doing it. And You'll then, never stop. You guys will go forever, dude. I think if we come back together, it's like something like the Blues Brothers. And it's like, we've got to reform the band to make this freaking happen for this charity. Like, you got to put the. That's the future of the Elasticity. Look, we got to put the band back together for this charity, this fundraiser. But I am. I'm a delusional person, anyways. But I do feel like you guys will play shows. Literally, mm. until you can't pick up instruments anymore, like that's just I will a part of a thread of your life that will always come back. I will, and every single person in the Elasto Citizens will until the end of their lives. I love each and every Elasto yeah. Citizen. I love each and every uh, version of Marta Pacek. I love. Each and every version of Laura <laughs> Tremblay. I love each and every version of, of 
Local 164. Love oh, each yeah. Bondi, shout out. Ryan briefly. Bondi, shout out. Congratulations on all your success. Each and every freaking version of Basketball Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> I love each and every version. And there were several over the four months of No City Fun. Four months only? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We played that, that summer residency, and that was it. At and then Circus. I would jam with you, and I would jam with Matt. Yeah, but then, uh, but then um, I'm also crazy yeah. who goes off the grid and hibernates for literally a year at a time. Like Dude, I'm a crazy person. Both. We come back together because we're both like yeah. that, and we're like, oh yeah, 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 like you know, kindred spirit. But like you know, I gotta go off and do my yeah. thing once in a while. You know, I do remember telling you once, like, hey man. I could be gone for a year, but I'll always like you're always my brother. I love yeah, you man. for sure. Yeah, but I'm crazy, and I mean I could disappear <laughs> for seven years and be fine. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I've, I, yeah, I'm, I've, uh, yeah. But there's so much love. There's so much love in between, you know. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. Like this. I guess it's unrequited elsewhere, so I get hurt because I'm a little bitch who's unromantic. It's true. Yeah. I'm a romantic who's like very at my core, very enthusiastic about life. I under, I've lived life. I've lived every fucking possible scenario. Mm. You know, I've had um, guns pulled on me. Just... I've been in orgies. I've done everything you fucking possibly can think of. I've had n- people stabbed in front of me, everything possible. I've been to, well, there's some things I don't want to say on here, but I've been in <laughs> sketchy places. I think, you know, other places i don't know if you know me i never told you but anyways oh dude I fucking but just like you. yeah oh yeah hibernation just like if i ever hibernate from you or other people which i do for a year at a time it's because i'm just crazy mm. yeah mm. but uh, you know like at the at that same time i'm going through all the stuff that i'm going through you know like like we're you're killing it though right now i'm working hard <laughs> it's hard life's hard yeah eh? man yeah Yo, if anyone's 20 mm. years old, like, life's really hard later. Life's hard, but, like, it's good. It's worth it. We have to ch- do the best job you can do. The thing I've been reading recently is uh, John Wooden. Have you ever read John Wooden? Mm-mm. He coached uh, uh, Bill Walton okay. and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> he coached them in college. And he had all of these sayings. He holds the record. I love that shit. Yeah. Seven years in a row, college championships for seven years in a row. That means that the entire team turned over twice. Yes. Like this guy was incredible. And all he did was demand the, that the people in with him under his tutelage did the best that they could. You know, like he didn't, he didn't look at scores. He didn't look at freaking, you know, things like he was just like, if you absolutely fundamentally focus in on these things, try your hardest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You will be a better person for it. You know? And he said, you know, like, I won't know if I was a good coach for 20 years right? because what I was coaching was being a good person. You the know? building blocks. Yeah, Let's see yeah. where it goes in twenty years. And then he got seven championships in a row and ten championships in his career. So wow! Like he's wow. just an incredible, wow. positive, wonderful human being. Yeah, I love that. I, I could look into yeah. those biographies. I'm into yeah. that kind of story. Big but time. like, to me, like as my understanding of basketball has deepened, 
my understanding of the Basketball Diaries is deepened. <laughs> like, what we did, you know, yeah. what we did, like, I was, like, I practiced on you fully, you know, like, like I was just like, this is, a, this is like a, like a cheap way to get, like, incredible practice because we would Me just too. play for two hours and yep. just go, like, it was like getting together for a freaking squash tournament, you know? Yeah. And, like, like we just work out and we work out and we get better and more precise and like you know like those are the things that like you know just oh my god for it's me it what was i thrive for and like it's what i've seen that is needed from films you know what do you mean you needed from films have you ever seen dead man johnny oh, fucking depp's, johnny depp's dead man jim jarmusch yeah the legend 25 of that, years ago the, the legend of that <laughs> is neil young watched it once stone and he just played through it. That's the legend. I think that the, that that legend is maybe like three, okay. or four, or five takes. But like, yeah, it plays like essentially like slow, first viewing. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I love hearing that story. Mm. Interject, but it's related in that my friend Peter Knight, who created Big Wolf on Campus, which I wish we could do more things. My dream that I've said to him many times, and I stand by this. And if anybody's interested. I would love to do this is I I've said this a hundred times. I want to watch a f short film, a six minute, 10 minute film for the first time yeah. and play live to it, mm. react to it musically live as I'm watching. And that's the final score. That is one of my passion projects is you shoot a film for 10 minutes and I score it first viewing, no matter what I play, that's it. Remember the paradise at Ossington and Bloor? Sorry, I'm going to leave this uh, the spilled wine for a moment because this is a good idea. You know the paradise at... at uh, like Regent Royal... Ossington and Bloor? Yeah, yeah. Part of the part of the uh, Review Royal, Kingsway, Fox. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Part of that group. Um, paradise was one of them. And uh, it's reopening soon, and like like it's got a sign in the marquee saying like Dave Hodge and the reporters are gonna play here. You know they're gonna do like some kind of live, uh, like Sunday morning TSN. No way! Show what out of there? Yeah, yeah. I don't what do they do? What I don't know. It's just up on the marquee over there. But if we would get the paradise. To show silent movies, to show something, uh, like something like like just like oh, moment to moment, shit. you know, like like that is just like sp like it has sparse dialogue or whatever, and then we just like perform underneath it. I think that's a great idea. I love that, of course. Yeah. But what are you thinking? Why not? Why didn't you think of that for Review or Royal or Regent or Cumberland or Rainbow? Just because Paradise is opening up, like reopening after being closed for like years. <laughs> and and uh, you are you do you are you suggesting or just for fun considering the idea of approaching them to say, play a film on mute and we jam under it? Yeah. That'd be so sick. Yeah, yeah. That would be, I would fucking love that. Swear to God, I'll do it every week. So to wrap things up, this is Jason O'Brien with Danny Smith. Hello. There he is. 
This has been an incredible interview. Uh, it's been a great time. It's a great episode. Thank you so yeah, much, man. Danny. Thank you so much. I love it, of course. Promote your onlines, man. Come to dannysmithart.com. Everything else is Danny Smith X. That's Facebook and Instagram. Um, come say hey. All right, beautiful. Uh, this is Jason O'Brien on behalf of the Escapismists and J-O-B Music Media, jobmusicmedia.com. Thank you very much for listening tonight. Uh, we love you. Love you so much, every single one of you.